All right. Uh, this is Chuck. <laughs> I'm recording all these intros for these reposts of the Tesdy Town History miniseries because we're reposting them. And I'm just setting up each one. And I'm like, do I need to set up each one? But, I, you know, if someone listens to this in the future, I want them to understand what's going on. This is part five of the Tesdy Town History miniseries that we did in the late summer, early fall of 2020. Uh, this was my interview with Brian Johnson, a great dude who was always extremely kind to me. I think coming into the world to tell him Steve Dave, Brian was one of the people I was more intimidated by. But what a great dude. He was just so happy to just, I mean, I don't know if he was happy, but he was he was very nice to me and would just like sit down and talk to me and was, you know, he was, he texted with me and right away he was kind of like a pal. Uh, and I really appreciated it. So th- we are reposting this right now because the original Tesdy Town History miniseries that we posted um, in, like I said, late 2020, is now turning into a new show called The Tesdy Tapes, available exclusively on the Tell em Steve Dave Patreon starting on May 18th, 2021. Um, so we're reposting this so people can kind of hear the original six episodes that we did um, and get ready for that. So here is my sit down with the godfather of Tell em Steve Dave, the great Brian Johnson. I'm comedian, writer, and filmmaker Chuck Staten from the punk band Senior Discount. And I'm writer and comedian Brad Rohr from the Providence Improv Guild. And this is the Chuck and Brad Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 483 of the Chuck and Brad podcast. I'm Chuck. I'm Brad. How you doing, Brad? Pretty good. How about yourself? I'm a little stressed out, but that's okay. Hey, we're all stressed out at different times. Yes. We get through it together. Yeah, we, that's what I say. We are going to weather this storm together. Wow. That's okay. what our friend uh, Derek from the Homeless Gospel Choir sings. Oh, good band. Yeah. So uh, if this is the first time you're listening to the podcast, uh, welcome. I think it'd be kind of strange since this is episode five of our Tesdy Town miniseries. Hey, you know, sometimes you get on a train uh, one stop before the... I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't have an analogy to <laughs> go with to come up with I a phrase that makes sense? Yes. Um, you've probably been listening. If, if you're interested in this episode, our interview with Brian Johnson about, you know, the history of Tell Him Steve Dave, you've probably listened to the past couple episodes. Um, but we are doing a, a miniseries where we go through the history of the people involved in Tell Him Steve Dave. Right. The podcast that I work for. I do a bunch of film work with them. Um, but I'm Chuck. I'm Brad. And uh, yeah, we do a podcast. We've been doing it for 11 years. I do a lot of film work. I do a lot of, you know, I'm in a band. Uh, Brad and I do live comedy shows together. Brad right. does improv. Yep. I'm a writer, a journalist. And we kind of talk about all those things every week, as well as the uh, the things we experience that we love from movies to to concerts, to comedy shows, to different things like that. We love talking about pop culture. We love making uh, creative projects. And uh, yeah, the podcast has been going on for 483 episodes, as you have you yeah. as you heard at the beginning. It's a lot of, this. of episodes. It sure is. Um, and uh, we hope you stick around. You know, um, I gotta say though, like doing this is so fun. It only feels like 480. Wow, yes. it's like a, that's like a grandpa joke. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> it really is. You only look 72. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yep. Um, but yeah, so this is our interview with Brian Johnson, and you might want to stick around after this episode because we're gonna tell a story afterwards about us doing a live comedy show uh, with our buddy Brian O'Halloran. Who famously played Dante, Dante in Clerks. In Clerks. It was a live Clerks comedy show. 
Yes. And we'll tell you this. We'll tell you that we'll save it for right. afterwards. Yeah, we'll it's, tell a good, you a, it's a good tease. Yeah. Stick around for after the interview because we're going to tell a funny story. Uh, and if you like this episode, yes. uh, we have a couple other uh, classic Chuck and Brad episodes that you might want to check out. Uh, just go to chuckandbradpodcast.com. Yes. On desktop, you go to the right, you search the archive. You know how you know how things work. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it, we have a big list of all our episodes by yeah. year, month, and uh, by number. And if you go to episode 398, you'll hear our, our interview with Jiggy. The Impractical Jokers tour opener, oh, yeah. which we did a few years ago in the snow in Lulu's restaurant in Alston, Massachusetts. Good restaurant. The day after the Impractical Jokers played uh, TD Garden. That was a great interview. Jiggy's a great guy. We've actually gone on to do some shows with him, too. Yeah. Comedy shows. And then also, if you want to check out another good episode, go to episode 373. That is... Uh, Vulgarthon 2. Or it's Vol- Vulgarthon. Vulgarthon 2018. Yes. And it was my experience there filming Walt and Brian and Kevin uh, Smith doing like the Q&A before Mall Rats. They played for the Vulgarthon Film Festival, which was uh, five films that Kevin picked um, in New Jersey. And I was doing a bunch of filming behind the scenes for Tell Him Steve Dave. And it was just a fun time. Yeah. Um, That's a fun episode to listen to. But man, I'm stressed right now. Yeah, I want to hear about this. Well, basically, it's like, uh, you know, so... You walked in, your beard is patchy, your hair is askew. (laughs) My beard is patchy. You're, you've got four cigarettes going at the same time. <laughs> you put one out on my floor. I had the pot of coffee, like yeah, uh, you're shaking. shaking. Yeah, <laughs> my 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 eyes are pink with the veins. Yep, I like that. Uh, well, it's just it's just, I have a lot going on. So basically, you know, I film in Red Bank, New Jersey, for the podcast. Tell them Steve, Dave, and we're based in Providence, which is not next door to Red Bank. Right, it's, it's, it's like, not it's not terribly far away. Yeah, we're in Providence, Rhode Island. It's about four and a half hours away. And, um, you know, I go down there and I film, we'll film a bunch of projects. I'll bring them back here and I'll edit them. And we release a pod, a project like I bi-weekly, I'd say. Okay. Every other Tuesday I come out with a project, a video project with Tell Them Steve Dave, roughly. And, uh, you know, this week, September 18th to the 25th, Kevin Smith is coming down because there's going to be a Moobies pop-up. Moobies is a fictional chain restaurant that runs throughout Kevin Smith's movies, the View Askew movies. And... Basically, I was going to go down um, and be like, oh, if anyone needs my help, maybe me and, you know, tell them Steve, Dave, maybe they want to do a project or something. Or maybe Kevin and his team need help with filming something. I was going to go down kind of uh, casually and say, if anyone needs help, I'll help out. Even though I've never actually worked for Kevin Smith before. Right. Um, and so I was hitting everybody up that I know would be organizing these events because I do know a lot of the people that work right. on these things. The mayor of Red Bank. <laughs> yeah, no, no. And so I was like, hey, you know, if you guys need help, I'm down to help out, which is what I always say. And, and so far, you know, they haven't needed my help. They have their own people. But yesterday, which is, uh, I guess... The, the 15th. The 15th. Yesterday, yeah. Um, I, got a, I got an email back from uh, Smodco, Kevin's company, and basically... They asked me to go uh, do something. And what it was is this. Kevin Smith is coming to Jersey for the movie's pop-up. But to start it off, night one, September 18th, he's doing a live podcast at a drive-in movie theater called Jay and Silent Bob Get Old with Jason Mewes. And uh, they asked me if I would come run the audio and video for the event. Oh, that's pretty yeah, great. It's pretty amazing. It's the first time I'm going to be working for Kevin. So like, I'm very, a, like a live director. Like, like a live director. Yeah, yeah, sort of. I'm not going to really be directing, but uh, I'm a camera operator. Okay. Um, and uh, But it's great because it's the first time I'm working for Kevin. I've wanted to work for Kevin for a long time yep. and, and, and uh, you know get into all that stuff with them. 
But the thing is, I was pretty casual about going down, right? And casual about bringing my gear, right? Because you don't, you know, you're not. I didn't have any yeah. plans. Yeah. Now I'm very specific. I have very specific plans of when to go down and when to be there, and I have to make sure I'm more than prepared to do this thing, which I really haven't done before, but I right. know I can do it. Yep. Um, and I was basically like finishing the newest Tell Em Steve Day video, which will be out next Tuesday. And I was kind of like casually getting those things done, but now throwing this into the mix, making sure I'm 100% set with that, making sure I'm 100% set with the Tell Em Steve Day video, right? getting everything done before I get there has been like a lot. The new Tell Em Steve Day video, for some reason I was like, I was like, oh, this is going to be probably on the easier side to tackle. But okay. when I got into the edit, I just cared so much about the intro and the editing and this big moment and this big moment and this big moment. Yeah, everything has to Everything hit. was yeah. so, uh, I thought it was going to be a little bit more loose and fun and it's very fun, but I really wanted to make it fucking perfect. Oh, okay. And I think people are going to love this one. So for the past 24 hours since I found this out, getting everything ready to go, yep. getting all my equipment ready, getting the video ready, it's been a lot and I've been running around. So we're filming this tonight. I mean, we're, we're sorry, we're recording this tonight. Right. Audio. Um, it's the wraparound for the Brian Johnson interview. I'm going to go home. <laughs> I'm going to edit the Brian Johnson interview. Good. I'm going to do another pass on the new Tell Him Steve Day video, which is pretty much done, but I'm sure it could be improved in different ways. And I always do this improvement pass. And then I got to finish that stuff, make sure it's all set, make sure it's all uploaded, post it all, and fucking hit the road tomorrow in about, I don't know, maybe like a little bit more than 12 hours. Yep. So I am uh, I'm up against the wall with some stuff, but that's fine, and it's all good stuff, and it's all positive, and if you'll be in Red Bank this weekend, I will be there. Hope to see you. If you're at the Kevin Smith show, I'll definitely see you, and then we'll see how the rest of the week shakes out. Right. You know, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited for it. I'm excited for you. I, uh, you know, yes, we were supposed to record last night, Tuesday yes. the 15th. Yes. And you said, can we push it? I have big news, but good you news. You offered to push it. Well, you said, can we push it until later in the night? Yes. And uh, I have big news, but good news. And I'm like, oh, I wonder what this is. Mm -hmm. And uh, and you told me, and I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Like yeah. when, when Chuck wins, I win. Right. That's how friendship works. We all win. Yeah. So We uh, all win for ice cream. Yes. Mm. Ice cream. <laughs> So uh, so yeah, I'm 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 super super psyched for you uh, for this opportunity, and I think I think you know you're like oh I I don't know I've never done it, and I'm like if anyone is capable of like going outside his comfort zone and achieving something like this, it's Chuck Staten. Oh boy, so don't say that. I am you're jinxing me. That's you're making me blush. Zero percent worried. You give me that, a blush drinks that you will uh you know like trip and knock over your camera mm -hmm. and that like catches mm -hmm. somebody on fire yes. and the, yes. the drive through mm -hmm. has to like go back to being a porno drive through right right porno drive through, drive -through? <laughs> <laughs> uh, ah, boy oh boy sometimes i talk too much i think are you, is your brain subconsciously remembering that the drive in in rhode island it wasn't subconscious every time we drive by this drive in that's in rhode island called the rustic drive in I always tell Brad that the sign used to be a dick and they just repainted it to it be a family drive. It doesn't look like one. It looks like a dick. It looks like a disease <laughs> malformed. <laughs> I'll put it this way. If your balls were like, I'm talking perfectly circular <laughs> and your dick was like insanely shriveled, like there's something wrong. It looks like a dick then. Okay. Would you think it looks like that dick? I'm, I'm concerned about your penile health at this point. <laughs> Say my balls are, believe me, perfect circle is not a good, <laughs> not a good way All to right, describe can we throw my it to the interview? Let's throw it to the interview. 
Ladies and gentlemen, it's all been leading up to this. I'm excited for the uh, the interview, this interview with the godfather of Tell Him Steve Dave. Uh, it's a guy I love. Um, one of my favorite people. Uh, this is my sit down inside Jansen and Bob's secret stash with uh, Brian Johnson. All right. I'm here in Jansen and Bob's secret stash in Red Bank, New Jersey with Brian Johnson. Here I am. How are you doing, Chuck? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for doing this, man. Oh, no problem. I, uh, I look forward to it. I don't know what this is for. Yeah. I've never, I, I haven't been told, so. Oh, this is, this is for my podcast. Okay. The Chuck and Brad Oh, wait, podcast. no, no, no. You did tell me this. Yeah, yeah. 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 I've honestly, I've wanted to sit down with you for a long time. And this week I came down to film and it was just one night of filming. So I was like, oh, let me do a couple of these interviews I've wanted to do for a couple of years. Because when I normally come down, it's so busy that there's like no extra time for me. You know, I'll film until what, like midnight, sometimes like two in the morning, and then I'll go back to the hotel. Then I got to get up the next day and come back to the store. So you came down this time and nothing went wrong at all. <laughs> <laughs> and it, yeah, it was, it was a crazy time. That, that power outage is like, it's affecting everybody. Tropical storm blows through, knocks out a bunch of power Dude, for days. It was crazy. Yeah. How are you guys at your, or how were you, how were you without air conditioning? Uh, we were okay. It was actually yeah. wasn't that bad yesterday. I have a generator, so I plugged in some fans and shit. That's and, good. You know, uh, our refrigerator got everything spoiled. <laughs> what are you yeah. gonna do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's been it's been tough, but that's all right. Yeah, man. So it's it's funny because we don't get a lot of chances to like sit down and talk in general. I mean, we have right. a couple times, but it's just you know it's rare. It's really rare. So it's funny because I don't know. I know you don't know like my history with being a fan of Tell Him Steve Dave before I got involved or any of that stuff. And so, you know, I know so much about you from the show and talking about the, your past on the show and stuff like that. But um, I want to talk about kind of everything that brought you to Tell Him Steve Dave, which is like the weirdest thing in the whole world. When you actually think about what it is now, it's, yeah. so, it's bizarre. Never imagined it would have turned into what it turned into. <laughs> no, the, I tell people, I'm like, I'm like, this is the... I really believe this. I'm like, this is the ultimate version of success because <laughs> you guys are like, what do you want to do for, for Patreon? You're like, I don't know. I like this movie. Let's do a podcast about that. I like this band. Let's do a podcast about that. I, Walt's like, you know what? Like, I want to take a, a Mexican monster movie and shoot mm -hmm. new scenes for it and release that. Let's do that. It's anything yeah, you want. Yeah. Let's dress up constantly. <laughs> like women, like monsters, like whatever. <laughs> and and the, the people that listen like you guys enough that they're like, fuck yeah that's the craziest part that's that's the best part i feel like people get the most enjoyment when they know we're having a good time with something totally you know totally um and i think that that's most most recently evident from the comic book men behind the scenes pod because people are flipping out about it yeah that's i don't really look at comments it's good or bad but that's what i've been told that yeah. people really dig it uh, well, it's, it's weird because it's i said to ming just earlier that it's the i miss doing the show yeah. Like I, it, it was really fun. It paid. Yeah. Um, and this is the next closest thing, I guess. Yeah. You yeah. Know, Looking is, back at it and talking about the production and everything. Yeah. Yeah, I bet. But it's interesting. So yeah, I want to go back kind of uh, to when you were like a young guy, like a real young kid, like, and talk about like creativity because you guys are kind of overflowing with creativity at this point. You can. You know, every week there's a new project due to come out, yeah. and we've been doing it. You for, know that better than anyone. 
<laughs> but we've been doing it for like the Patreon for two years straight with no missed deadlines. Yeah, that's pretty good. It's pretty insane. That's a that's a whole new tell them, Steve, Dave. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. probably uh, Walt's taskmastering too. <laughs> you know, he keeps everything going. <laughs> you know what Walt said in the podcast that surprised me? He would do a podcast where he brought Oz in, Mr. Oz, oh and <laughs> tell the story with him and get both sides of it. He's like, I don't think Brian and Quinn would do it, but I would do it in a second. He was too insulting to me. Like if he were if he weren't such a jerk off and just like lied about shit, <laughs> which he did. You know, like I, I admitted that it took me a long time to get the script. Um yeah. but he did have scenes he could work on. Like all his bullshit is just that bullshit, <laughs> yeah. you know. I know. I would love it. I, I know a lot of people would love it, but but yeah, so you guys are do you know, you're constantly responsible for new stuff all the time now. So I want to talk about like where that came from and where it started because you know, as far as I know, when you were like young, like growing up, your first thing that you were interested in creatively was like playing guitar. Uh, before that, I was into writing. I would say yeah. like um, when I was in like sixth grade, that's when I got into writing shit like short horror stories and yeah, that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah. The, the, one of the first stories I remember, <clears throat> and if it happened today, I think there would be a much different response, but we had a substitute come in. I was in sixth grade, which means I was 11 or 12 maybe. Yeah. And uh, she set us about the task of writing a story. So she was annoying. She was a little bitch. So my story was about the class luring her into the lunchroom, locking the doors. We had turned the gas on the ovens and broken the knobs off so she couldn't get out. And then we all walked around to the windows to watch her die. <laughs> what was the reaction? Which, uh, I remember she sent it home to my parents, but I didn't get in trouble. I didn't yeah. get in trouble for it but because, uh, one, it's like it's writing. But two, like my mother is the reason that I'm real into horror and shit because when I was really young, like probably third, or starting around third grade, she worked the three to 11 shift at a nursing home Yeah, and she would come home at 11 and like thinking back, it's like, I should have been in bed, but she would come home and there was, uh, uh, it was called Chiller Theater and it was like, you know, uh, horror movies and we would just watch them together, like start at 1130 at night, then I go to bed at one or whatever. And uh, we did that a lot. That's awesome. Kid. Yeah, she was. Re she would bring me to the movies. Like my father never. I think maybe three times total, I went to the movies with my father. But my mom would take us all the time. And so she's a big horror fan. She likes horror a lot. Yeah, she's real into like witches and shit like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's a she's a big horror horror gal. That's awesome. That's that's probably super formative for you then. Yeah. Like many of the other things that weren't so great, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you right. got to take the good and the bad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was the, that would have been the first um, creative stuff that I was doing, you know, like writing stories. Um, but that kind of petered out when I got into high school because then I got real into basketball, like hardcore into yeah. basketball, which isn't that creative. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, one of the funny things I remember playing as um, a junior and Kevin was the camera boy. Like he would record the games and shit. Like that's how divergent we were in high school, you know? Yeah. That's um, hilarious. And uh, it was after that, like probably senior year, that's when I got into guitar. And that's that. Then I got real into that. Like yeah. Obsessed with that. I was going to be Ingve Malmsteen. I was going to be the next, you know? Why'd you get into guitar? What's up? Why did you get into it? Uh, I don't know. I, just, I really, it was, it was a, a this artist, Ingve uh, Malmsteen, who I remember seeing the album when I was like probably in maybe 10th or 11th grade mm -hmm. over at Jackson. When I say album, I mean like vinyl album. Yeah. And it's just this 
hand with this uh, coming up out of these flames with a guitar in it, electric guitar. And I was like, oh, that's a cool cover. So I just bought it. Yeah. And then once I heard it, I was like, holy shit. Like, I didn't know. Like, I mean, I had heard like Deep Purple with Richie Blackmore and Van Halen and all this other shit, but that I had never really heard that neoclassical fusion type music, aside from like, say, Randy Rhodes. Mm -hmm. But this was like real hardcore like baroque type you know inspired shit um so i guess uh oh yeah you're in a band so you probably are familiar with anybody um, a little bit yeah yeah so uh that's what got me into it but i have a habit of like okay i want to play guitar but i just don't want to play guitar i want to play guitar like only one other person in, exi in existence yeah. can play it yeah you know yeah uh so i set myself up for failure constantly I think. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's funny. When I was uh, in high school, like late high school, I started going to like local band shows, like seeing like bands that are from my area. And I didn't even think that was like really possible before that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. When I'm like 14 and I'm buying albums, like I'm buying like Green Day's Dookie and stuff like that. Like I didn't even think about the idea of like people I know being able to do this. And then when I started seeing that, I was like, I want to be in a band. I'm like, but I know I'm not going to be like how long is it going to be until I'm as good as this person at guitar? Right. So it really discouraged me for like a while from, from even trying it because it's like so tough. It's so tough to like hear someone good, love that music and be like, now I'm going to start playing smoke on the water mm -hmm. and it sucks. You feel like shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, that's rough. Yeah. When you're like your heroes are like, this dude is light years, like uh, light years away. Yeah. And I'm only a year younger than this dude yeah. or uh, many times older. You know? <laughs> yeah, right, right, but it's right. like Eric Clapton didn't start till he was 17. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. I know. So, so did you just like get an acoustic right away and start playing? Uh, no, I got an electric, uh, guitar. I had one in like ninth grade that I played occasionally, but then when I got, when I was like 11th, 12th, like I got way more into it. And then it was only after that, that I uh, got an acoustic and then got real into classical guitar. Yeah, so I yeah. played classical guitar for a long time. I took lessons. Yeah. Uh, and then went to, um, uh, what is it, Montclair State for an audition because like, I didn't know what to do. So I'm like, oh, I'll go to college. Me and Kevin were supposed to go to Montclair State and then he bailed. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I went up to Montclair State and I had to do an audition for this music program. I had to play piano and I had to play classical guitar. Did you play piano? So I did, yeah. Well, I didn't really play piano that well, so I just taught myself a few songs and then yeah, right. went on that. Yeah. And then I got in. But I didn't know I got in because at the time I lived in Boston, I was going to uh, uh, Mass U or something. I can't remember the name. Is University Boston of Massachusetts yeah, in there Boston, you go. yeah. And uh, hated it. Kevin was also supposed to go there. He didn't go. Uh, and I'm just like, I'm not, I'm not a college guy. I'm just not. I don't yeah, know yeah. why I tried so many times. But so I left Boston and I had a roommate and my, I owed like 13 bucks on an electric bill or something like that. And my roommate was pissed. So he threw away my acceptance letter <laughs> I and, I, I, yeah, and I had no idea that I even got in. <laughs> so, so how long did you live in Boston for? Uh, it was like probably four months wow yeah not that long not that long yeah it's interesting that's that's kind of like close to where i am I've, I've spent a lot of time in boston it's kind of right outside rhode island obviously yeah. um around that time like i didn't do well being away from my friends yeah right yeah yeah i hear that totally that's that's really interesting so so how did you even find out that you did get in uh, I think later on they sent another letter and he had moved out by then. So it somehow got forwarded to me because all of my mail was being forwarded. So it was like something about me declining by not answering or whatever. And I was like, look at this shit. You know, like, <laughs> what do you know? And I figured it out. I think I called him actually. And in fact, 
I called him. I found that out. And then, oh my God, this is awful. But Kevin called the apartment where his, um, you know, where we had lived. Yeah. And his girlfriend's name was Julie, I remember. And so the guy answers the phone and Kevin's like, hey, is Julie there? And he's like, who's this? And it's like, it's the dude she's fucking. Now put her on the phone. And we like really went into like, oh, it was, that's how we got him back. <laughs> because there is there anything your girl could say after hearing that? And then the guy just hangs, he hangs up, up, never talks again, never calls again, never yeah, talks again. Right. Is there anything she could say that would make you believe her? Yeah, Ever. right. Yeah, right. That's crazy. Oh man, that's really funny. So you moved back home, back here. Moved back here. Uh, and I think that's when I moved uh, in with my grandmother. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I didn't want to move back to my parents' house. Yeah, right. You know, I wasn't 45 yet. <laughs> 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 um, so I moved in with my grandmother and lived there for a few years. Yeah. And that was around the time that uh, I was um, working with uh, Kev at Quick Stop and RST. Right. right. Were you still playing guitar? Uh, yeah. 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 I would bring the guitar there. We did everything there, but work. We watch movies, play guitar, play hockey, play whatever. Right. Um, and, uh, so that's around the time that we started really getting into like movies and Mm -hmm. we even, we tried to get a job on a movie that shot in our town. It had Jeff Goldblum in it. I don't remember what the name of it was, but they shot like one scene in our town. Right. Right. And we were like, we'll be PAs. Not yeah. knowing how awful the job is. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, but we didn't even get hired for that. Yeah. So did you, did you ever join a band? Never? Uh, I joined one band, and the thing was, like, I knew these guys. And I'm like, but I just want to practice. I don't want, like, people getting drunk and all these girlfriends there and that kind of Like, I really, because I wanted to play. Like guitar, yeah. First time, first practice. There's yeah. girls there. There's beer there. I was like, nah. Yeah. I just don't want to do it. No, I hear that. That makes sense. Yeah, our, our, my old guitarist, my old lead guitarist had like a, a no girlfriends rule at practice because everyone was so distracted all the time. Yeah. Yeah, I hear that totally. Especially like at around that age. Like right now, like if say I'm in a bed and Mary Beth comes by, I know she's not going to be fucking right. uh, wanting to leave or be like, you said we could leave by this time yeah, or right. fucking texting me, you know, <laughs> yeah. or whatever the fuck, you know. Right, yeah. but like when you're 20 your yeah. girlfriend's going to ride your balls and yeah. you're going to take it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? That's all you care about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally, I hear that. Um, all right, so you're working at uh, Quick Stop and RST. And so, I mean, everyone knows a lot of these stories that, that you and Kevin had that falling out, uh, close to the bubonic plague on the right, door, yeah. all that stuff. So you're not part of Clerks. But Kevin starts Clerks, and then you guys must make up between Clerks and Mallrats. Yeah, Kevin went to this... Um I don't, it was like a symposium. I don't know what you, I can't remember what it was called, but it was like you went there for three days and they're supposed to break you down and rebuild you and all this other shit. You oh, know, yeah. a bunch of hocus pocus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nonsense. But the good thing, the thing that came from it was one of the things you were supposed to do is call somebody that you didn't want to call. Yeah. And talk to them. Yeah. So he, uh, he called me. Yeah. Which in a way is nice, but in another way, it's like somebody you really didn't want to call, you fucking jerk off. Wait a minute, why'd you call me? <laughs> but when he called, I was so surprised. I thought something was wrong. Oh, yeah. So I was like- Because you guys hadn't talked in so long. Probably six months. Yeah. yeah. So I immediately, I was like, dude, are you all right? Like, yeah. what's, what's wrong? And uh, he explained it to me. So we got together the next day, we had lunch, and uh, like, I think I didn't see him for another week or two after that. But slowly, you know, we got back into- uh, Yeah. 
hanging out again. Yeah. And it's it's funny. I talked to Walt about this because at this time, like, you know, I want to talk to everyone about how late they got to where they are. And I'm like, well, you're, you know, you're in Clerks and all these different roles. And he's like, I had no interest in being in the movie. I didn't want to be in the movie. He's right. like, I, I would just show up to see what they were doing and they would ask me to do it. And so I just did it. But <laughs> I had no interest. But then, uh, you know, so are you still you're still playing guitar probably at this point a little bit. But you yeah. but you're not trying to be in a band. You're not really trying to pursue it seriously at that point. Right. No. Are you writing anything? Uh, at this time? No, I was working at the recreation center. Yeah. Um, and I was. Uh, oh, it's so weird when I think back to that. Like we worked at the recreation center, me and Walt and Kev would stop by sometimes and we would play like me and Walt versus Timmy, our boss and yeah. Kev. Yeah. But me and Kev wouldn't talk at all. <laughs> we would play foosball against each other, but we just want to talk to each other. It's <laughs> what a strange fucking... Well, fuck you, but I want to play an even game of yeah, foosball. Let's play. I mean, we could still play foosball, right? <laughs> it's Nothing's not going to stop foosball. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, it's it's very strange. Um, so, no, I wasn't really doing anything creatively at that time, I wouldn't say. I think I was more into, like, trimming down as much as I could. I, yeah. was, like, I was, like, real into health, and I was real into the environment. So I go, as Walt has talked about this in the past, where I'd, like, go around collecting aluminum cans out of the garbage to put them in the recycling can. Like, I think, I'm like, did really? That's how little I had to do? <laughs> Fucking bees everywhere, you know? Like, <laughs> But I'm like, I thought it made a difference. And that's, that's the thing. I can't fault people, kids today. Although like I was not as preachy as these fucking kids are today. My <laughs> God. Um, but I understand thinking you can make a difference Yeah, and then realizing how big the world is and how much of a drop in the bucket. Like you think about we were Mary Beth and I were talking the other day about, you know, a, a turtle gets a, a straw in his nose and everybody flips the fuck out. Now you can't have straws anymore because of the plastic. How about just during COVID? Can you imagine the imagine of uh, the number of takeout containers? I know the sheer fucking Styrofoam. metric tonnage that is yeah. just getting dumped into landfills. I know, I know, it's crazy. But one straw in, a, <laughs> in the wrong fucking turtle's nose, and the wrong fucking eight-year-old figures it out and puts something. That's why people cared because they're like, "Oh, an eight-year-old did it." Like if I did it, I'm like, "Hey, everybody! <laughs> I saw a turtle with a straw in his nose." They'd be like, "Look at this fucking crazy motherfucker!" <laughs> totally. I mean, I've read a lot of stuff about the idea of like, here's like graphs and charts and numbers. And basically, just instinctually, people don't give a shit about that. But something emotional that touches them, it could be about one thing or one person or one situation. And they're way more reactive. Yeah. So that kind of stuff is always going to hit people in that way. Yeah, no, that's so funny. Like, they didn't give a shit about me when I was out collecting cans, getting bees stung all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> Why were the bees stinging you so no, much? Just they wanted their sugar water, <laughs> man. Sugar, they thought yeah, I was taking it. Soda. That's really funny. Like, I literally must have looked like a homeless person. I would have a black plastic hefty bag <laughs> filled with cans, and I would just, like, walk through town. They must be like, what's wrong with... Because there were people in town that, like, one guy came back from the Vietnam War. He was all fucked up, so he was, like... He must have got sprayed with Agent Orange or some shit because <laughs> he was real wacky. But nice guy. Yeah. Then there was another guy who, like, all he did was carry around two duffel bags full of bricks... Yeah. All over town, all the time. Like, just a couple of, like, characters like that in yeah. town, you know? Yeah. Uh, who knows? I don't know. Maybe at the time they were like, oh, yeah, and that's the guy who fucking walks around with <laughs> fucking bags full of cans with a fucking swarm of bees following him all over. <laughs> dude, <laughs> dude, one this guy, I don't even know where he lives. He lives near my house. 
And I've had this back and forth with him because he comes over. He knocked on my door one time. My roommate, Jordan, who has like a short fuse, answered the door. And the guy's like, listen, uh, you're putting out your recycling wrong. Like you're not allowed to put it in bags. You know, you're just you're supposed to just take everything out of the bag and put it in the trash can. And uh, Jordan is, yeah, he has a short fuse. So he yelled at the guy to leave us alone. (laughs) The guy came back, left the letter on our door, taped to it. And then I came home one day and under my deck, the guy had come and put an extra recycling bin, like being like, oh, if you don't have enough room, here's more room. (laughs) Then literally put on my recycling at three in the morning, went inside to get more stuff to put out, like trash, came back and he had gone through my recycling. Like, Uh Like he was fucking waiting in the bushes. Like he wanted to make sure that everything was sorted correctly. Yeah, and I, I need—I think he took some stuff too. It was really weird. Oh, yeah. that guy's fucking crazy. It was me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You had a big yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, what's that noise? That's how we, that's how we know he's around. It's the bees. It's oh. Buzz Johnson. He's coming back looking for recycling. <laughs> that's really funny. Um, yeah. So, uh, so all right. So this. T- so this is what's interesting is. Um, you know, Kevin goes on to make Mallrats, and you and Walt are both involved in terms of you go and be PAs on the set. Um, are you interested in like the world of like film stuff at that point in time? Are you like, oh, this is cool, or are you like, oh, this is something to do? Um, I think it was probably a mix of both. Yeah, because I wasn't really doing much at the time. Walt had to take time off from the wreck. Mm-hmm. Uh, around that time, I think I had been working at Sears in the um, the damaged and. Uh, dented yeah. area where like you know a fucking refrigerator gets damaged so they sell it all at clearance prices uh so i was like well fuck that i mean if yeah. i can go to minnesota and work on a movie i was up for that yeah right um and uh it was kind of sold to us as something that it wasn't like yeah. we like we were going to be pas but we didn't know what pas did we right. thought that like what Mosier told us was like you know, you get to sort of control your area. You get uh, you get walkie-talkies and all this other shit and blah, blah, blah. And it kind of sounded like, oh, this is pretty cool. Yeah. Be- and then it turned into like what it was, was like everybody's going to yell at you. Yeah. You're going to get paid once they take taxes out. It's going to be less than minimum wage yeah. in New Jersey. Yeah. Um, and uh, the job is just going to suck. It's going to be 12 hours of you being a complete ass boy. Yeah. And I think Walt lasted one day. I lasted three, maybe. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, why? Like, yeah. Why would we want to do this? Right. The rest of the time, like, we still hung out. Yeah. Like, we didn't go, we were still there for a month, but, like, all we did was, like, walk around the mall. I'd play uh, Jurassic Park pinball with Jason Lee. And yeah, like, yeah, just, right. just hang out and watch. And then we did our fanboy and Steve Dave thing. Right. And let me tell you, like, they treat you so differently. Yeah, I bet. Like, if you're talent, they just shift gears, and then suddenly you're important. And yeah. then once they're like, cut, all right, that's a wrap, they're like, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> now you're nothing again. Dude, and I they would call it. us Fox, F-O-K, friend of Kev. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah, didn't yeah, like yeah. us. I remember that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's Sons funny. bitches. That's really funny. So what are you thinking at that time? Are you thinking, like, oh, this is kind of weird. Like, like, this person that's my friend is making a movie. Now this is, like, entering my life like eventually obviously you make vulgar so are the seeds of that like starting right there no i don't think so not by that point um it probably isn't until kevin is a a big inspiration to a lot of people but on a personal level there's no one in my life that as much as he has been like dude you can do this you know like he was always encouraging me you should do this you should do that Mm -hmm. 
Um, so around that time, I think he was too involved in ball rats to think about what I should be doing. But in yeah. my mind, I was like, this is really cool to be around. I, I know I don't want to be a PA, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but being a director looks pretty cool. Yeah. Like having, you know, running the whole show. Yeah. 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 So you're, you're kind of interested a little bit, at least oh, yeah. just in the taste of it. Yeah. We went to, we went to filming every day because I, I did find it interesting, like the stunts and shit, like, yeah. you know, watching them do the stunt coordination, all that stuff was, and plus it's like, it's all your friends there. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. You know? That's a big part of it. I yeah. mean, that's, that's the best part of, of, of the filmmaking stuff that we're doing now anyway, is just kind of like, <clears throat> you know, we all get together, even when we're filming stuff like for the Frank five rewind stuff and we're throwing out lines and we're trying to figure out what should we say? Like, what should we do? Yeah. Like when we did the Batman one and you did the, uh, uh, what's his name? King the Tut. King Tut. Tut and you were like, you were like, did you know that my father, like that whole thing, like the, obviously that's just a thing that you threw out in the moment. And we were just throwing out lines. Like that's the best stuff. It's the yeah, best yeah. stuff is being all together with everybody who feels like they're laughing and having a good time. Yeah. And everybody has similar senses of humor. Right. Nobody's going to come at you with like, well, that's not very woke, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, otherwise, that's all they'd be saying to me. <laughs> yeah, Walt just thinks it. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's, he'd be hoarse if he kept saying it. <laughs> right. That's so funny. All right. So so eventually, so after, you know, Mallrats, you move back here, or, or I should say you come back here because you're come back there for here. like a month. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been 95, I think. It's rough. Mm-hmm. To remember, I think right. it was then that I started working at the office, View Askew office. Oh, yeah, 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 right. So that would have been like uh, into 96. Mm-hmm. And then, um, so I worked right before Chasing Amy started. That's when like uh, the production office was based out of the View Askew office. So right. started working with all those people. And we're very like sort of insular, like especially at that time it's yeah. like any outsiders were like what who are yeah. these fucking people <laughs> yeah 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 you know? right right um you're you're just sort of shut off to new people because it's like you got your core group yeah. and you're like i don't see anybody right penetrating that right in you know in the years to come i'd learn that that's not true at all right but you know you're a young asshole so you, yeah you think that's just the way it is right um and uh after that he, you know, he made Chasing Amy. I worked in the production office, mm-hmm. and that's when uh, Kevin was. We were talking one day down at the convenience store because Kevin was still working there. Um, and uh, he was like, I want to make a movie about the clown, vulgar. And then uh, I knew he was not, not going to do it. So I was like, Would you mind if I did it? And then between that time and when we made it, he had that little mini deal with Miramax. Right. Technically, I guess I worked for Harvey Weinstein. You know, I'd like to apologize to everyone, you know, for my misdeeds. I'm going to donate all the money I made from Vulgar. <laughs> so wait, so where did the idea come from? Uh, we were uh, we were like, what would this guy's story be? Mm-hmm. And uh, Walt was like, I remember Walt being like, you mean the actual View Askew clown? What would his story? Yeah, be? Yeah, what would his story yeah, the, be? The, the, the logo that mm-hmm. existed. Yeah, at that time. sorry. Yeah, yeah, the logo at the time that wasn't Jane Bob. It was a clown that had like track marks and was in garters and he was and, super hairy yeah it was a, an unattractive clown um, right perverted probably yeah and um so we just tossed around some ideas and uh my idea was like well he should get raped you know <laughs> like of course obviously <laughs> number one um, yeah <laughs> so like we threw there were a couple of basic ideas and then i just took them and i went and wrote it and then when he got the the deal 
And that was the same time I wrote Carney, I think. I think I wrote Carney right after Vulgar. So it's, it's a weird jump, though. It's like writing a screenplay for the first time is a huge undertaking, no? Yeah. Well, that's why the screenplay isn't like, you know, <laughs> it, it's it's not Citizen Kane. It's, you know. Still, st- I mean, I'm serious, though. Like, that's a big, big jump where you're just like, yeah, I can do this. Yeah, I go into things th- thinking that. I'm like, why can't I do it? Because yeah, like, I, I see other people do it. Why can't I do it? Unless it's like, you know, like Ingve shit. I'm like, that is a technical <laughs> skill that like my yeah. fingers won't move that fast. Yeah, yeah. My the muscles thing, don't work They will like never that. move that fast. Right. Um, That's the right attitude to have, though. I mean, who, who, who does anything that doesn't feel that way? Yeah, I mean, we'll get to it in a little bit, but the same thing sort of happened with comic book men. Yeah. But we'll get, I'll tell yeah. you about that a little bit later. Yeah. But yeah, so at the time, he was like, well, you should write it. So I wrote it. And then it just, you know, hung out a little bit because the deal wasn't in place yet. And I wrote Carney thinking like, ooh, we could make this like not in a million years could you have made that movie even then because yeah. there's so many special effects. Right, right, right. And I remember Bob Hawk read it. And uh, Bob Hawk is the guy who went to see Clerks mm-hmm. and is the reason Kevin is who he is because if he hadn't went to see Clerks and hadn't recommended it to Sundance, right. who knows what would have happened. Right, I mean, right. I think Kevin would have eventually persevered because the dude's so talented, but- it may have, I mean, it would have taken a totally different route. So, right, you know, right. Who knows? So, so was Carney written as like a movie script? It was written as a movie script. Um, and Bob Hawk read it, and his note was he, he said, You would not want to meet the people who would like this movie. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Walt and I turned it into a comic, and we shopped it around to every single person we knew. And we knew like people at the time through Kevin. Right. And it was uh, IDW that they were the last people that could say yes or no and they were like yeah sure yeah and it sold well that's awesome people always underestimated us like when we walt and i like when we uh had those figures come out the the guy bob chapman who's a lovely dude i, I love bob chapman he's a great guy uh graffiti designs he, he used to make all kev stuff yeah and kevin was like i want a steve david fanboy yeah uh figure and he was like i don't think so because he didn't think they would sell so his initial order was for a thousand they were supposed to be sold as an exclusive at San Diego mm-hmm. and they were on some boat from China. So they weren't going to get here. So then he had to order another thousand <laughs> and have them air, airdropped to, yeah. to the con sold all that thousand, then sold all the second thousand. Damn. So, like it, that's a good feeling when people are like, you ain't worth shit. <laughs> and then you're They're like, like, oh shit, I guess you are. And you're not sure. Like I might not, you know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, everything up to this point has, you know, <laughs> it's led to me to believe that you're probably correct. Mostly my parents is, you know, <laughs> judgments of me. That's crazy. So it's crazy. It's just crazy to go from kind of like, it seems like you're going from zero to 60 in terms of writing two screenplays at the same time. Yeah. Well, once you do it, then you're like, oh, I can do it. Yeah. Right. Sure. And, and then, you know, you, you start to like it more. Yeah. Um, like I've written a bunch of scripts that I've never seen the light of day. May someday still, but like yeah. shit that I wrote back then, it's like in today's climate, there's no way. It's tough. Yeah. yeah there's yeah. no way unless you want to do something on a independent level. Right. But then the people, you have to worry about the people around you. Yeah. Like, you know, Q's has a, a fucking family friendly show. Yeah. So am I going to make know. this shit, which is like, I know, you, you know, you know, no people are so upset by everything. I, yeah. I just read today uh, or heard the kindergarten cop. Somebody was complaining about, it's talking about like, you know, five and six year olds are routinely arrested in this country and this movie makes light of it. It's like one, they're not routinely arrested <laughs> Two, the movie. Uh, uh, kids do not get arrested in the movie. That's not the thrust of the movie at all. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I remember when I was like, when I was probably between the ages of like 13 and like 17, 
me and my friends would walk down to the video store. We'd go into the horror section and it was five movies for five nights for $5 for anything that was like, you know, not new, new release. And we would spin around blindfolded and, and walk <laughs> and touch a movie. And I love those old crazy movies. Those yeah. movies that are like super fucked up. They're less about the story and more about the imagery. They're more about, more about telling a, a, a disturbing tale. And it's like the thing you kind of gather your friends around and watch. And I love that stuff. And I think that stuff has basically disappeared. They don't make stuff like that right. anymore. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like it's like not it's like not a thing anymore for a lot of the reasons you're talking about. Yeah, well that's the um the the idea and a lot of what I have in Vulgar 2 right now is it harkens back to that shit. It's a it's sort of a balls out like I don't give a fuck what today's climate yeah. is sort of mood to it. Yeah. Well that that'll find an audience too, because there's a lot of people that feel that way. Yeah. I I think that the the people that are like we want everybody to shut up about everything type type people i, I don't think they're the majority no just, not at all because in real life you never really hear any i, I have never heard I once anybody talking about this kind of shit i know i know yeah no it definitely is a vocal minority and it's and it's easier to be vocal behind a computer screen Oh, or sure. a phone, whatever it is. Yeah. Like Trader Joe's just recently, they're like, oh my God, I, we can't believe how racist our dinners were. Like, uh, like you know, Trader Jose. We can't believe we said it. We're the worst people ever, worse than Hitler. And then two weeks later, Mexican people are like, hey, we kind of like Trader Jose. And they're like, oh, you did? Uh, well, you know what? He's back. You know, better than ever. It's like, why don't you ask these people instead of like- I know. Like white people- assuming that other races are going to be offended by something and then taking action to quote unquote rectify that is the definition of racism. I th I th yeah, that's exactly how I feel. I'm like, they wanted to stop Speedy Gonzalez. And I'm like, you can't, he's I'm too like, fast. <laughs> you can't stop him. <laughs> Good luck. That's the opposite way to treat Speedy Gonzalez. Yeah. <laughs> that's really funny. But yeah, that's that's crazy. Yeah, Carney is Carney is awesome. I mean, I, I I love all the stuff. I love Worthy and Dead. I love Cryptozoic Man. I love all that stuff, um, because it's bombastic and like sensationalized. Mm -hmm. It's like crazy. I love that. That's that's what's fun about it. That's what's fun to get yeah, into. It's that like stuff. over the top. That's what's fun about it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's that's what I like about it. All right, so right then you write vulgar. Are you guys like all right? I guess we're gonna you you start making vulgar. Yeah, we. Um you know, he gave us, uh, we were able to get 40,000 from Kev. So we had a producer who, uh, who Mosier was dating at the time, this girl, Monica Hampton, who had been active in the film community and shit. So she knew a ton of people. So we got this for free. We got that for free. Mm -hmm. She knew these people who would work on deferment. So we were able to do a lot for the 40,000. Right. And then somehow we got another 40,000. To make the whole budget eighty thousand, which worked out pretty well, because yeah. we, we just couldn't have done it for, because we're shooting on film, yeah, and we're right. developing. It's not like it is today, where yeah, right. like you know you bust out your iPhone, suddenly you have something that looks like film, right? Uh, so all that shit was expensive, but it was just like I gotta say, I I watched a bunch of movies. And I paid attention to how they were directed, and I read a couple books, and I'm like, all right, I guess I'll give it a shot. Yeah, you know. So what? What is totally the, didn't earn it, not at all, <laughs> like not at all. But you know. so what is that like? To, to being like, I'm just I'm going to assume this responsibility and go to set and tell people what to do and say this is what I'm going to do. It's crazy. I, I there was a there was a big part of me that was just like I can do this. Yeah, same like, thing. I, like same I, thing. I feel like I've and my my mentality was like I've been to the video store back when there were video stores, mm -hmm. I've seen so many shit movies 
if this is, movie is better than any one of them, then it's not the worst movie ever. <laughs> and I'm like, there's so many shit movies. I know I can do better than this. I know yeah. I can. Yeah. So, so what's the experience like? Did you, did you enjoy it? Yeah, it was really fun. I liked it a lot. Um, the editing was tedious because you're doing 16 millimeter on a Steenbeck. I know. I can't, I can't even fucking imagine. I oh spend so much time editing and I think about when they used to do it like that. And I'm like, holy shit. It was tough. You know, thankfully I had like young eyes at the time so I could actually see shit. Yeah. Today would be a lot different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, during the process, it was just like, it was fun. We, we shot six days a week. Yeah. And they were long days and like, you know, in film with lights, it's... <clears throat> a big pain in the ass if you're shooting interiors you know it's like all yeah. right we'll do this one shot okay different angle see you in two hours yeah i know uh, so that part sucked mm -hmm. um but again like the people i worked with i knew so i liked and i knew i could depend on them if i wasn't exactly sure and right. you know, kev came to set and Mosier was at set and dave yeah. klein shot it so yeah, yeah yeah you know that's awesome yeah it was, it was someone in experience having a lot of experienced people around them so right you well, know, you're, it's almost like you're more of like the vision person. You're the person who's the artist and you're like, this is what I want. I want to do this, this, and this. I want it to look like this. And then the people who are like kind of on the more technical side is like, well, here's how right. we do that. Yeah. Which, which exactly. makes sense. I mean, I think that's how a lot of people operate. Um, but uh, so the, the filming is done. Uh, what happens when it comes out? I want to know about it. When, uh, well, when it comes out, it was a long editing process too because mm -hmm. um, I only knew so much. And then Mosier brought an Avid in. Mm -hmm. And I think at the same time they were working on Dogma, so he didn't have as much time to uh, work on it. That's why it took so long for it to come out. Mm -hmm. And then when it eventually does come out, it shows at the Angelica and then someplace in LA. I can't remember the name of it. It's in um, Los Villas, I believe, mm -hmm. the theater. And uh, so I went up to the Angelica with Kev and O'Halloran, you know, and yeah, yeah. Uh, it came out and it was cool. You know, well, before that, actually, we went to, um, I think it was before that. Yes, it was before that. We went and we were in the Toronto Film Festival. Yeah, yeah. And that was cool. And that's like, awesome. That's one of those times, though, where it's like, you know, I make that movie and then I go see uh, Requiem for a Dream, which is in the same <laughs> uh, competition. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> So that's the way you make a movie. Why didn't you guys tell me that? You know? I mean, it's just like, it's, it's a vision that like I could never have. Oh yeah. That's, that's, that's uh, Requiem for a Dream is kind of super out there too. It's not even like a typical example of a great movie. It's just like, it's bizarre and yeah. a great movie. But then you know what? Like you see mother and I'm like, yeah. all right, he ain't that great. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's all right, I guess. That's really funny. That's awesome though. That that experience must be like amazing. It must be so yeah, fun. Yeah, it was fun. O'Halloran was there. We had a big party and stuff. Malcolm organized a party for oh, it. Yeah. Um and then after that was when the movie came out and then uh you know, it made like 15,000 at the box office or something. Yeah. Um Lionsgate bought it in at Toronto Film Festival. I don't think on its merit. I think probably that uh, they liked Kevin Mosier and they wanted to get into business with him. And, and also horror is a is an interesting genre where they have fans that will see a movie kind of based on the fact that it is a horror movie and it's going to have this pull and this pull and this, this thing yeah. that interests people. So horror fans kind of... Well, it's the most rented genre too, I believe. Exactly, so, exactly. Yeah. They're, they're willing to give new things a chance a lot. Mm -hmm. so and Lionsgate was smaller at the time, so... Yeah. Right. And they did a lot of horror stuff, right? They, oh, they yeah. A lot of horror, yeah. Yeah. So that's cool. That's really cool. Um, so after that was when it came out. I think it 
barely came out on VHS because that's right when it was changing to DVD. Um, And the only other edits we had to make were for Blockbuster. Blockbuster wasn't going to carry it if we didn't cut two scenes and one was a bottle breaking over O'Halloran's head and the other was like, I don't even remember what the second one was. It was so insignificant. But they didn't want to see... I guess they just feel like they got to earn a paycheck. Yeah, yeah, that's know? what I think too. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Because so, I'm like, what? Like the Apple Dumpling Gang has fucking bottles breaking over people's heads. <laughs> like, yeah, why yeah. can't this have it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm like, so if you just do that, then it gets into all these blockbusters. I'm not that big of a fucking pretentious artist. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you know? right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I Small want people stuff. to see it. Yeah, exactly. And that's not going to change the experience. So, so what year does that come out? That would have been 2000. 2000. 2000. Wow. Yeah. All right. So at this point in time. You know, you've also done the cameos in Dogma and Jane Silent Bob Strike Back right around this time. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so are you, where are you living right now? Uh, I I owned a house at this time. So I was living in Highlands. Yep. And um, what was I doing? Oh, I was running uh, Kevin's merch. Yeah, right. That's right. when I had worked at the store just a little bit. Then Walt took the store over. And I think it was, yeah, I was at this point I was still working, running Kevin's merchandising wing. Yeah, um, yeah. Which is weird. Because you're sending out action figures of yourself. yourself. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're, oh, here's my movie. Somebody ordered it. Let me sign it real quick. And then yeah, right. put a stamp on it, run it down to the... Yeah, it's... <laughs> but, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah, that's great. You know, no, that's you got to awesome. make a buck. So, so at one point, you moved to California. Is it around this time? Uh, it was... I moved to Vegas probably in 2002. So, did, so after the movie came out, did you not want to do another movie? What did you think? No, I wrote a couple other things, but people, you know, they just weren't interested. Yeah, you yeah. Know, it just wasn't. I, one guy hired me. Um, oh, it's really weird. This one guy hired me to write a treatment. He's like, oh, I'll give you 500 bucks, write a treatment. Here's this guy. He was a gypsy guy, like a Romani uh, guy. Mm-hmm. And he's like, here's his basic story. And I met the guy. I went down to Philadelphia, met the dude. And so the uh, producer guy was like, hey, so write up the treatment. So I wrote up the treatment, and he was like basically white after he read it. He was like, ah, uh, no, <laughs> no, this is not what I'm looking for. Because was it too dark? It, it was way, it was darker than vulgar. It was really dark. <laughs> it had like a kid who lived like uh, nearby a, a, a truck stop. He was like uh, 11 or 12, and he would leave his house in the middle of the night and go down and like sell himself at the truck stop uh, for drug money. And it was just not what this guy was looking for. I still got the 500 bucks, which is good. <laughs> yeah. But I, it was, yeah. And the idea. Yeah, 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 right. I don't know if he made it, but I may steal that and steal it back. I, I, I have to own it by now, I right? Think, yeah, copyright, fair use law. Yeah. It's um, in the public domain now. So I, that was the first thing I did after Vulgar. And then I wrote a couple scripts and, you know, it was either not the right thing or not the right time. And the thing with people, if you're an aspiring screenwriter and you give your, your, your script to somebody and they don't email you like within a couple of days, they don't like it. They're never going to tell you that. Mm-hmm. I know. They will let you hang on forever. You can ask them directly in, during email. They either won't answer you. I know. Uh, until you hound them into being like, we don't like it, all right? <laughs> yeah. Can you not take a hint? <laughs> yeah, I know. But I know. You, you would like to know, like, well, what was it? I know. You know. Like, what was it that you didn't like? But they're not big into that. I know. I, well, it's a waste of time for them, I guess. They look at it, right? If mm. they're just like, why, well, why am I going to talk to this oh, person? Oh, class in session, like- douchebag? Yeah. <laughs> you wrote something we didn't like. Fuck off. <laughs> <You know? laughs> exactly. 
Exactly. Uh, but yeah, first I moved to Vegas because I always wanted to live there just to see what it would be like. And uh, it was not like I had hoped. Yeah. So it was like three months I lived there. And then I moved back to Jersey very shortly. And then I moved back out to LA after that. That's Because cool. I was going to run Kevin's store out in uh, Westwood. So that's the reason you moved out to LA? Yeah. That's was cool. to run the store. That's interesting. And how long did you stay in LA? Uh, a couple of years. Yeah. A couple of years until... Um, and th- while I was there, I wrote a lot, and uh, I worked for Dimension. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Harvey, <laughs> Harvey oh, yeah, involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What kind of stuff did you do? Uh, I wrote sketches. Yeah. For, uh, they were trying to do a movie like um, uh, that was just a bunch of sketches that had like people that, like Michael Sarah was in it. Mm-hmm. There were certain famous people that were in it like early on that they were like, oh, now that they're more well-known, maybe we can make something out of this. But the movie was a mess, so they're like, can you write these additional sketches? So we worked for like two months just writing different, I mean, shit that not in a million years, not in a million years would they put out anywhere. Like this was offensive shit. Cause I suggested the title. I was like, it should just be called offensive movie. Just call it that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because the shit we were writing was like out there. That's crazy. Cause there's not too many movies like that. It's like, it's fried green tomatoes like that. No, 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 no. It's uh, what movie 43 is like that. Oh, you're thinking a Kentucky Fried movie? Kentucky Fried movie yeah. is what I'm thinking. But there's not that many movies that are basically sketches put together. No. And then if you rewatch those things, oh, my, they're awful. <laughs> they're so bad. Um, and this one, they like we wrote all these sketches. We got paid. We got paid a, a good amount of money. And um, eventually they're like, we're just going to keep the movie as it is. So all that work. Wow. Nobody cared about it. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. So who are you working with? Who, who else is writing on it? Uh, Bozier was the only other person I knew. Oh, wow. The other guys were just writers just that writers came in. Yeah. yeah, so it was like eight of us. And then after the first month, they cut it down to four people. So then it was me, Mosher, and two other guys. Yeah. And then they were like, yeah, we don't want to use any of this. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Disappointing, but, yeah. you know, what are you going to do? I got a job for one of the Turtles movies. This guy asked, uh, he was like, hey, can you write some jokes? We want to just throw some jokes into the, yeah. um, you know, like his voiceovers, you know, yeah, that they right. can just drop. What's that? Ninja Turtles. What did I say? You just said turtles. Oh, yeah. Ninja Turtles. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm being corrected. (laughs) (laughs) Um, They're ninjas. Yeah. (laughs) Come on. They're like pizza and skateboarding. (laughs) Everybody knows this. Um, So he was like, can you write some jokes? And so I did. Yeah. And I I, I emailed it to him and... He said, thanks. He sent me a bottle of scotch. They used one joke that I was like, what, that one? <laughs> that one? Because I had written 28 pages of stuff for him. Wow. Overnight. Like, I just went, man. I went. Yeah. I was, and he said to Mosher, he goes, what's wrong with this guy? He goes, I, th- I expected maybe, because you know, the other people handed in like half a page, page yeah. tops. He's like, I never expected that much. <laughs> But I was like, I thought that's what you're supposed to do. I thought yeah. you're supposed to just go balls out through the whole movie and be like every, because that's what I did for our, um, the Mexican movie and the next one we're going to do. Like I go through it and it's like, I write a joke for every 10 seconds or so. Yeah. And it adds up to a lot. Yeah, right. Exactly. That's, <laughs> that's know? really funny. So, so how long do you stay out there? Uh, I was out there a good couple of years until he shut the stash. This would have been like, I'm bad around these years. This yeah. is when the, these are the pill years when that shit started. Yeah. Um, but I think it was like 2008 or something. I came back here. Yeah. So at that point in time, probably around that time, Smodcast is starting mm-hmm. and, and eventually you guessed on Smodcast, which is essentially. Within the, the first year or so. Yeah. 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 That's essentially the beginning of where Tell Him Steve Dave starts. Yeah. He, um. 
he asked me to come out, uh, come on out in LA. And I remember it being like, probably like a lot of people when they first approach a podcast is like, well, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to say? Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, and in, in 2000, 2008, 2009, it's like, what is a podcast? And someone has oh, to say, yeah. like, it's, it's an online radio show. I don't know. Yeah, you really had to explain it. Even when, uh, I think it was 2011, Q and I went to, um, 2012 maybe, went over to the UK. Yeah. And you had to explain how many, so many people, yeah. like, what a podcast actually was. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I remember feeling weird because it didn't, like, with you and I, it seems conversational. It's like, not even, my mics aren't even there because right. you've done it so many times. Right. But it being the first time, it's like weird sitting across from your friend. Yeah, and you feel like a, like a pressure to be funny. Almost manufacturing a conversation that exactly. may not happen otherwise. But yeah. before long, it's just like it's easy to roll into it. So um, it was fun, too. It was fun to do. Yeah. But it didn't occur to me to start my own. That's, I was just going to ask is like at this point in time, you know, this is such a new medium at that point in time, like wicked new. Did you, even, did you ever even think about radio or like even like kind of like being funny in front of people like because that's what the show is it's it's about your personality did you ever think about just putting that out there somehow i thought about stand up a lot you loved howard stern yeah so i wonder if you ever like considered yourself as like oh could i do anything like that i used to think like uh i could do a radio show like that would be really fun because i knew it's like they have producers and they have people coming up with stuff and yeah. like, what do you think of this? What do you think of that type shit? Right. And then you just have to talk, you yeah. know, um, you know, I hear Jim and Sam do it and I'm like, I can do that. Yeah. Like right. I could sit there and shoot the shit for a couple hours a day. Right. Uh, but quite frankly, I like the, the freedom that you have with podcasting because you're the last word unless right. Walt gets a hold of it and then <laughs> Walt's the last word <laughs> but on regular tell him Steve Dave I cut it so uh yeah unless there's something real egregious yeah you know most stuff doesn't come out yeah right uh but that's what I like about it yeah and of it's course. like you know I'm not making Jim and Sam money I'm sure but the money's not bad for yeah. for what we do yeah. Uh, it suits me because I'm, there's just no way. I'm not just not a nine to five person. Well, this, this is what I was wondering. So at the time, like, you know, let's, let's say around when Smodcast, Smodcast starts and you go on, what do you want to do at that point in time? Uh, at that time, I think I didn't know because I was, um, I was coming back from LA mm-hmm. and right around that same time, my sister and her husband were having issues and she had uh, a one-year-old kid, Sage, mm-hmm. you know, my niece, Sage. Yeah. She had a one-year-old kid with Down syndrome, and she wasn't paying as much attention to her as she should, and the other kids were suffering because of these problems. Uh, so I, I sort of took on a lot of the responsibilities with the kids, and yeah. then like a couple months after I got back, uh, their father, my sister's husband, killed himself, you know, like Damn. hanged himself. Wow. Uh, so... My sister sort of like wanted to reclaim her youth, I guess. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I ended up taking care of the kids a lot after that. And the older ones, you know, like for about a year. But they were now 12 and 13 or 12 and 14. So it's like they don't want to hang out with me all the right, time. Right. But Sage did because Sage at this point is still three. Yeah, right. Um, so I spent a lot of time doing that. And uh, this is the first time I think I move back to Pam and Edgar's because I'm like, oh, I'm going to stay here a week or so. And then, you know, yeah, turns into uh, probably uh, a year. Yeah. Somewhere around there, maybe a little less. Wow. Until I eventually move out. But um, 
Yeah, I moved. Uh, I moved to an apartment and just kept Sage. Yeah, you know, just kept her and brought her to school all the time and all that shit. So I was doing a lot of like yeah, your focus like shifted daddy shit. Yeah, yeah. your focus shifted um, completely. Not at the that good time. daddy shit like I do with Mary Beth. <laughs> <but> you know, <laughs> you know regular daddy stuff like getting puked on. Yeah, although right. that helps although- with Mary Beth too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Little great. rainbow shower action. <laughs> That's that's so interesting, um, but yeah, I, did, I had zero focus at this time, none. Yeah, and that's when I think Kevin suggested he's like, you know, you should do a podcast. Yeah, because and, when people love the appearances from you and Walt on Smodcast, right? That's what he was basing it on. Yeah, that, that, right, exactly. Yeah, that we had that kind of rapport. Um, so he's like, you should do a podcast with Walt. Yeah, and. Uh, and this is this is one of the things that's hilarious about this is Walt. Like even when I was talking to him the other night, he's like, I was talking to him about being like a, an entertainer, and he's like, oh, he's like, I'm not an entertainer. I'm like, at some point you're gonna have to fucking give that up, man. Like, are you right. kidding me? Like, how much of your time is based around entertaining people? What are you doing right now? What do you do all the time? <laughs> Every day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's it's funny because I was I was telling him I'm like you know like in the beginning it's almost like Walt's an unwilling participant and tell him Steve Dave. He's Fuck just Cedric. Like, it's Walt the Entertainer. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. But in the beginning he is. He's like he's like barely. He's like he's like yeah I guess I'll do this and he you know he openly says in the episodes he doesn't think it's gonna last very long. Right. And he's just doing it. And uh, but eventually that changes so much and it's crazy. Yeah. That's I. I felt that way and, and he really had every reason to believe that i'd be like hey let's do this for a little for you yeah. know and then get distracted and do something else so did you approach walt with the idea uh thinking back i believe so i yeah. think or maybe kevin had a conversation with him because i was extremely depressed at that time yeah uh and uh that was the beginnings of the pill habit as well because yeah. um I had a bed and he had very bad arthritis in my left knee and it was all crunchy and shit. Like, you know, like yeah. stuff. And uh, I didn't have any health insurance to get a knee replacement. So the doctor was like, take these. And not only did they help my knee, you know, they were Percocet. Not yeah. only did they help my knee, but I was like, oh my God, I feel so much better. I'm not depressed now. Yeah. So, uh, and I, I remember thinking like, why would the government not approve these for depression? That's how little I knew yeah, about right. painkillers at the time. I, I got, I, they prescribed me 12 Percocet a day. I took it for three weeks straight for my, my spine problem when I had a spine problem a couple of, well, a long time ago now. And it was crazy because I just took them and the spine, the spine issue was like so severe that it was like hard to walk sometimes. Yeah. And so... I, I took him, I took him, I took him. Eventually they said, we're going to give you this surgery where they, they didn't want to give it to me because they had to like basically lift up the nerve cluster at the base of my spine and operate under it. And it was so risky that they didn't want to do it. Right. So they were putting it off, putting it off. But I had this bulging disc in the base of my spine that was touching against the nerve cluster and causing me like crazy pain, like crazy pain. So they eventually did the surgery and I felt better right away. But right after the surgery, I stopped taking the Percocet and I was like, a couple of days later, I'm like, I'm like, man, I'm like, I'm having these hot and cold flashes. I'm so itchy. I'm all fucked up. I'm like, I'm like, what's going on? And I'm thinking about the surgery. I'm thinking, oh, this is from the surgery, but how could it be? Right. But I just had a dependency on the Percocet. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. They, it, it's not, not easy to get addicted. It's easy to get dependent. Like, yes. Very quickly. Yeah. Because it's, look, drug abuse is terrible. But drugs themselves are fucking awesome, you know. I, I mean, I know there are people who don't like the feeling of oxy, and I'm like, I don't understand how. Yeah, like, I don't understand how you don't like it, but it's not for everybody. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, like I said, those were the the early days of that. So it was kind of like, you know, self-medicating. Yeah. And uh, we did the first episode in November. Mm-hmm. And then for whatever reason, I'm not sure. Oh, I know why. Because Kevin wanted to cut the first episode and it oh, took yeah. him forever. Yeah. So we didn't put it out till February. But then once it came out, we were like, all right, let's do it again. Yeah. And let's do it again. Yeah. And then I think it got to a point where Walt's like, I thought he would have quit by now. Yeah. Like, what's going on? Um, well, it was, what's crazy is you guys, obviously you, you, you had a leg up because of, it was put out on Smodcast, which right. existed already, but people loved it like immediately. Like I, I, I was talking to Walt, I'm like, you know, making hay was a big deal. And that was like episode 12. That was early, yeah. really, really early. And by then there's already this big, like, like a lot of people listening. And it's, I, I think about the idea of you going from like one day you're like, oh, I'm, I'm just like, listen, you know, doing whatever. But then like in, in a couple of weeks, it's like 75,000 people are listening to what you're saying every week. Yeah. That's really strange. It's unusual. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's why when people are like, how do I get more listeners? I'm like, I have no idea. You can't replicate what we did. Yeah. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, and when people say <clears throat> like, um, I've had people say like about the store, uh, Quick stop, you know, when I worked there, it's like, oh man, this, that must have been a shitty job. And I'm like, no, that was one of the best jobs I ever had. One, because you get to hang out with your friend all day. Mm-hmm. But two, like, like I said, I'm not a college person. I just, I don't have that attention span. I don't have that ability. Yeah. Uh, so that was kind of college because we trained for what we would eventually do, which is sit there and shoot the shit. Exactly. You know, That's just exactly talk conversationally is. and people are, feel like they're there. You know, people say sometimes they're like, you know, it feels like I'm just hanging out with you guys. Yes, exactly. It's, it's funny too, because, you know, and I talked to Walt about this too. I was like, you know, my experience with all this stuff is like, I was born in 1984. So I was too young for clerks when it came out. I was only 10 when it came out. But then like by the time Chasing Amy was on like VHS or whatever in like 97, 98, I'm getting into all the VSQ stuff and there's these like references to people. Like you hear like Walt Flanagan's dog Mm. and you know, you, at that time there was no internet, but you're, or not, wasn't around a lot, but you read interviews about like, oh, Randall is based on my friend, Brian Johnson. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, Brody's based on Walt Flanagan. And so I'm learning about you guys, you know, late 90s, early 2000s from that kind of stuff. And then, of course, you guys have the cameos. So I see you in the movie. And eventually there's like, the stuff that Kevin writes and the Q and A's that he's doing. And we're hearing more and more, like everybody that's a fan of the view excuse stuff is finding out more and more about you and about Walt and about Ernie O'Donnell and different people like that as time is going on. And so by the time Smodcast starts and it's like, Brian Johnson's on, he's my friend, blah, blah, blah. I think a lot of people have this real history of knowledge of you guys. You know what I mean? It's it's a weird Mm -hmm. thing. It's not like that's when you're being introduced really. It's like people already knew and as much as like tell him Steve Dave is different from clerks and all these different things, there is like a, a general air and an atmosphere that's super similar throughout all this stuff. That's, yeah. that's real. You know what I mean? Like it's, 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 you can tell, you can tell that the, the area is an influence on how everyone talks and how they deal with mm-hmm. each other and how they treat each other. It's, it's, it's a continuing thread that maybe starts in 1993, you know, but by the time Tell Him Steve Dave starts, there's this huge amount of people that kind of know who you guys are already or have right. a general awareness of it and a fondness for the banter and just the way that you guys talk back and forth. It's so it's so people are, are, are used to it and they already like it and they're already ready for it. So Tell Him Steve Dave comes out and I think people are just like, 
psyched, even though to you guys, you're like, oh, this is our, you know, we're starting this thing. I think a lot of people already kind of were ready for it. Yeah. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if Walt, like what he said, but uh, I'm curious because I'll listen to it. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. What he said about like, at what point did he realize? Like He gave that, me a specific point in time. Oh, did he? Sandy, Hurricane Sandy was his turning point with telling Steve Dave, oh, yeah. realizing that people cared about it. Yeah. Yeah. It was it, the conversation with Walt was great. It was great. This one's yeah. great too. I'm, but he gave me real clear answers to stuff that I didn't expect. Yeah, that's unusual with Walt. <laughs> yes. It, well, I was like, whoa, like there was a lot of things that I was surprised that he just was like, yeah, they had such a clear answer. It was crazy. It's one of the reasons that we, I mean, for myself as well, but like through the whole COVID thing, we tried to keep up with Tom Steve Dave as much as possible because people do look forward to it. Hell yeah. And and people, and I know that I have a couple of shows like that myself where I'm like, oh, fuck, it's not out. Yeah, you right, know? I know. Um, so if, if that helps people and like, I've heard, you know, people have been like, I'm going to off myself and I just listen to you guys and, you know, if that's true, that's good then. Yeah. That's good that they didn't off themselves and just listening to us. I don't know how that, that happens. Because I think I'm like, because I've been so close, so very close. And I'm like, I don't know what podcast I could listen to. <laughs> <laughs> that would get me out of that fucking spiral, you know? I don't know if it's out there. I think I think it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a feeling of support. And like, I think a lot of people probably don't have people in their lives that they can point to and say, this person feels like me, or this person has these similar feelings as me, or this yeah. these people care about each other this much. And then when they hear you guys have it and it's bottled into, you know, an hour and a half episode, yeah. I think that it makes them feel like hope in general. Well, um, I, I think on a personal level, like especially in those early days, I'm very um, open and honest about being depressed and yeah. being a fuck up. And yeah. because people think they're like, I, I remember when I was in uh, LA and, uh, Carney had come out and there was a girl, some girl came into the shop and she was like, why do you still work here? And I was like, why wouldn't I? Yeah. And she's like, well, you have that comic book. And I was like, <laughs> I don't know what you think people get paid for that shit, I know. but nowhere near I know. enough to retire. <laughs> I know. That's so funny. So, so you guys start out at first, Quinn's not really on the show. It takes like two or three episodes for him to really start talking. Yeah. He was supposed to, he, in, the early incarnation, he was kind of supposed to be the Fred, like uh, where he would pipe in here and there once in a while. He was the the sound man. Yeah. Uh, but it was pointless to have him as a quiet sound man. He's too entertaining. And exactly. it's like he was, he's just as much my friend as anybody else. So yeah, it's like right. he's right in there. And he's obviously, he's the guy that can uh, not only keep up, but elevate the conversation, you know? Yeah, the way the way I think about it, and I don't know if you guys have really thought about the way the show is balanced, but I think about you as being like the person who is like kind of brash, looking for justice and looking to stand <laughs> up for what you want and what you think. Walt's on the opposite side of that and being like, let's, uh, you know, let's be Take what they give you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Don't rock the boat. And Quinn is in the middle criticizing both sides as kind of the ultimate like you know you're both assholes <laughs> yeah, like it's like logic he's yeah. he's grounding both of you guys yeah and i think that's that's the balance of the show totally well, I've, I've i've said it's like it's the it it's the ego and the super ego you, like, perfect yeah. exactly yeah good call you know, yeah um yeah i remember saying to walt not that long ago we were talking about not scary farm and they were like we gotta kill the uh the haunted asylum, asylum. or whatever because it's too offensive and i was like you shouldn't do that he's like why not if it even hurts one person and my point was like but then 
you can't write stories about asylums and you can't draw pictures of asylums. And, exactly. and, it, it, and now look where we are. Look where we are. That I've always hated that PC bullshit. Yeah. I've always hated like, oh, it hurts one person's feelings. So let's change the way everything is done. Well, that's the thing. It's like it's like a lot of people criticize characters in in movies, books, whatever. It's like, how are villains going to be villains if they can't do anything that offends anybody? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, how do you write anything? How do you make people detestable if they can't do shitty things? Like, there's no contrast. You just want everything to be good. Yeah. That's fucking fuck off, Pollyanna. That's, <laughs> it's not going to happen. I know. It's not going to happen no matter how much you try to tamp down and squelch people's thoughts and ideas and that you don't agree with. Mm -hmm. Like, you have every right to not agree with them. You have every right to not hear them. Yeah, change you the channel. You have zero right to say, like, you can't say that. Exactly. That's, yeah, that's, that's exactly how I feel, too. So, so you're starting to tell them Steve, Dave, and all of a sudden you have all these people listening to you. Now you've got to feel differently. Like, like, you know, as soon as you find that out, you do a couple episodes and people are like, we love this. And, and I'm sure you're finding out your numbers from Kevin or whoever. Mm -hmm. And you're like, holy shit, people are reacting to this. So how does that affect you at that time? Uh, of course I like it. Yeah. Rather than people being like, well, this is dog shit, you <laughs> yeah, know? Right. Because I did feel for a while, I'm like, because Walt was like, we're just Kev's friends. It's the only reason people are going to care. And I said, well, give it a while, you know, mm -hmm. like it, it, we'll figure out if that's the case yeah, it's, sooner it's, or later. It's, I, it's more like that's the, that's the people looking at you. And then we see if they stay looking. Right. That's up to you. Yeah. And I, but I, I did, I did believe in us. I, I did believe that we would be able to carry a show. Like uh, at no point was I like, it's going to be bigger than Smodcast or, or yeah. like, it's going to be a juggernaut. I was just like, as long as people listen and like it, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, Obviously, I'm sure, you know, when, when you talk to Walt, we had no designs at like, you know, success or at getting really big. Uh, and I do remember early on Walt saying like, um, like it was some guy had a jet ski business in Arizona or something. He wanted to give us $50 for an ad. And I was like, we, no, we can't do that. Because we didn't have ads at the time. Yeah. Uh, I said, we can't do that. He's like, why not? It's 50 bucks. And I said, because it's, we're going to undervalue ourselves like that. And he's like, what do you think? We're going to get national sponsors? <laughs> And I'm like, I don't know, maybe, maybe we will. Yeah. Like I've, I've always felt a little bit more strongly that w what we could do versus what we were doing. Yeah. And, um, part of it is because I have bipolar too. So I get in these manic phases where I'm like, we can fucking take on the, what fuck's podcast? <laughs> we're bigger than they are. You know? Yeah. 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 Uh, but the, um, exact same thing happened with comic book men where I, there was an episode where I said to Walt, I was like, there's absolutely no reason we couldn't have a TV show. And he goes, you're fucking crazy. <laughs> and he, he, he said, there's, he's just like, I don't know. He goes, you're either high or you're low. He's like, well, there's just no way. Yeah. 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 That's and crazy. I had nothing to base it on, but I felt like there's no reason we couldn't. I see again, I see shit on TV. I'm like, come on. Yeah. Right. Come I, on. I, I, I totally hear you. That's really funny. So, so, you know, tell them Steve Dave starts, you're getting some momentum. A lot of people are listening. Making hay is a big deal. And that's kind of like a fun, like undertaking as well as like a huge hit to people that listen to the show. They love it. And the show is going forward and you guys are doing bigger things. You're pulling in Ming and you're pulling in probably at that point in time, eventually like Sal and you're doing stuff mm -hmm. like that when it's first starting. And then it gets to, to to the idea of comic book men pretty quickly, like a year and a half in, I think, right? Yeah. Because because I think Tell Him Steve Dave started February 2010 is when it starts airing, mm -hmm. and then comic book men is filming like by the end of the following summer, or like in the yeah. fall. Of yeah, the in the fall of the following year. So it's it's funny because people think of Tell Him Steve Dave first, and then comic book men 
but it's like it's not that Elm Steve Dave is not that much older than Comic Book Man at this point. No, and that was a big validation when yeah. um, when they were doing when they were like, "Well, cast for the show," and Kevin was like, "Well." okay but he's like you know listen to these guys yeah and they're like these are the guys like these are the guys like that's a big validation to hear that walt was like what fucking episode of tell them steve dave they listen to and decide to make the show he goes i want to know what fucking episode yeah and i'm like that's a good question because it was very body back then you yeah know? yeah i mean it still is i try to still yeah you know, I say I said something just recently. Somebody got offended by it. I'm like, oh my god, just <laughs> come on, come on. Like you're gonna be offended. That's the way life is. You're gonna yeah. be fucking offended. Yeah, I mean that's that's the way that people uh, grow and learn and 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 change. You know what I mean? You hear yeah. someone say something that you don't feel, and then you think about that point of view, and maybe you like it, maybe you don't, but you continue to hear those points of views, and and you grow as a person. Yeah, that's what life is. But uh, at that point in time, it's crazy because it's you know. I was telling Walt, I was the, the world that's based around the idea of like, not only are you guys a successful podcast at that time, but you also have a home base, which I think makes it really uh, like people can kind of like really visualize it. They can visit where you guys podcast. And obviously the people start doing that. You know what I mean? Yeah, they come they to the store for that reason. Um, they start signing the poker table. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's growing. Um, so by the time comic book men comes around as a, as a concept, I guess it's like, you guys are, I'm sure Kevin talks to you. He's like, Hey, like we're thinking about doing a reality show in the store. And are you just like, fuck yeah, let's do it. I was into it. Yeah. Cause yeah. I was doing just tell him Steve Dave at the time. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know if we were selling shirts at that point because yeah. we didn't want to start merchandising shit right away. It just yeah. seems too like tacky. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. We took a while. Because um, I, I was listening to tell him Steve Dave like pretty close to when it started. I bought a house and I had to. I remember this. I bought a house and I had to like not renovate, but like paint all the walls, sand all this, fix all this. You know the stuff you mm -hmm. do when you buy a house. And I did that for four months, and that's when I found out about tell him Steve Dave. And so for four months, I caught up on like the previous like let's say year. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I was like, like right right away, I was pretty current. And then. I'm hearing you guys talk about the show and even Quinn starting to like, you know, shop in practical jokers to like, you know, a different network mm -hmm. before they get like yeah, maybe, MTV. M I think, yes, yeah. 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 Mission uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I remember that. And I was like, Holy shit. Because like I said, I'd known about you guys for years and then you have the show and everyone loves the show. There's such a big community. And then you guys are continuing to even take that to new places because like we were talking about the Genesis of comic book men is tell them Steve Dave. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's weird. Like you think about that time too. Statistically, what are the chances of friends getting two different TV shows? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, I I think it's a, a big part of the show is like people are rooting for you guys in this crazy way. E even in terms of like week to week, they're rooting for you guys because you're like, we're gonna do this Christmas episode, and it's like crazy. Or like we're gonna introduce Sunday Jeff, and like <laughs> he's this guy at first who is like totally unfit to be on the microphone. Right. <laughs> Still, still is, some would argue. <laughs> but you guys are reaching out kind of beyond, you know, just three guys at a table talking and doing making hay and doing all these things. And people are like, fuck, yeah, this is so weird. This is so interesting. Like when I was doing I did the, the documentary on making hay for the Patreon and I wrote the voiceover for it because it became a documentary about making hay and Collingwood and get him did the voiceover on it and one of the things I wrote in the in the voiceover was like through a series of like left turn bizarre ideas brought to the podcast because it's like yeah in the surface it's, it's three friends talking but 
then you guys do weird shit. Like you're like, you're like, like, you know, making hay is weird. All the Christmas game stuff is so weird. Bringing in all these different people. I, I told Walt, I'm like, Walt goes postal. The episode is about you fucking flipping out about this post office worker and then flipping out worse on Ming for not supporting you. Yeah. That's what that, that's people's, some of people's favorite episodes. That's then digested. His anger is digested as entertainment. Yeah, it's so weird. Everything I, is so strange. Yeah, I remember that day he um, he called. He goes, "What are you doing right now?" And I was like, <laughs> "Nothing." He goes, "He goes, can you can you do an emergency podcast real fast?" I go, "I'll be there in fifteen minutes." <laughs> Such a great episode. So, so good, and and all those. I think all those strange. Uh, alternative ideas are what made people more invested, more invested, more invested. Now it's like AMC is going to shoot a show in the store about these personalities. I think people are just, and then Quinn has a show too at the same time. People are just like, fuck yes. Like yeah. it's crazy. Though That's the kind of thing though that can uh, get some people to turn. Because oh, yeah. they're like, oh, so now you're like, it's this used to be my podcast. Yeah, yeah. Now a bunch of other people are listening, or like they've gone Hollywood type shit. Yeah. But <laughs> I think that we were able to um, keep that at bay with the ongoing self loathing and self deprecation, which is all authentic. None of it is bullshit. <laughs> well, I think, I, you know, I think that, com- that comic book men specifically, I mean, it's, it's a TV show that's on a major network. So you have the, the polish and like it's really well crafted in terms of if you watch the show it makes sense but all the times it's it's just showcasing you guys actually being yourselves in terms of coming up with lines coming up with ideas joking around you know saying things to each other all that is really you guys yeah. it's, it's still you even if there is some polish around There's it and a some editing there. around it exactly yeah. even if it's not as it's not as free as tell them steve dave because it's a network but at the same time, it's it's clips of you guys being yourselves. We're trying to get it there as, as close as we can. Yeah, yeah. right. As, as close as uh, standards and practices will let us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, we've been talking about it on the Comic Book Men podcast, how many jokes there are about Ming being raped or kidnapped yeah, or all that stuff. Like that. It's, it's, and all kinds of shit. How different is it? It's, that's what it is. But yeah, so, so, so Comic Book Men starts, you're all in. And is that a weird transition from like, I mean, at first, tell them Steve Davis just probably... We're going to go to the store or we're going to talk. We're three friends after their store closes. Maybe you bring in more friends or have these ideas. That's easy. But then a production crew is going to come in and kind of tell you what to do. That's a big change. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I knew that it wasn't going to be people like ordering us around. Yeah. Like I knew that wasn't going to happen. Well, you're the talent. <clears throat> you know now. Well, yeah. Plus I was like, the only way I'm going to do it is if people don't tell me what to say. I was like, I don't want people telling yeah. me what jokes to make, all that kind of shit. I right. was like, whatever I say, I'm going to say. Right. <clears throat> and Kevin was like, of course, that's what we what they wanted. Yeah. Um, so that was a huge selling point for me. Yeah. That I, one, I didn't have to remember lines because I'm not great at that. Yeah. And two, that nobody was going to be like, hey, make this joke. They tried it in season two, but it didn't work out too well. Right, right, right. Um, and the, uh, like everybody, be, yeah, it was a, a weird experience at first. For me, it's like I didn't have to change that much. Like, right. All I was doing was just like, now there's a camera. That's going to record me saying shit to my friends and making fun of customers and that kind of stuff. So, I mean, it's a fucking awesome job. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and then once you get to know everybody and you realize, like, they're pretty cool. And, like, we had a great crew. Everybody says that. I don't know if they mean it. But, like, we had a really fun crew. Yeah. Who, uh, you know, most of them came back year after year. So, by, you know, the second or third year, you're, like, you're pretty tight with everyone. Yeah. 
And then the show ends and you never talk to him again. <laughs> <laughs> unless, unless you need him to come to a podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, well, that's, that's so, so you felt pretty comfortable then. It wasn't even like a thing where you were. No, it wasn't really um, a big thing for me. Though when I look back at my girth, I, I, it should have been a bigger thing. Um, I look at myself, I'm like, Jesus Christ. But by then I was like into the pills and real depressed and shit and uh, just not feeling great. And that reflects in how fucking fat I am. Like house, <laughs> like a house, man. It's crazy. <laughs> well, did Tell Him Steve Dave, does the success of the podcast help with the depression? Uh, I think it helped a little bit, yeah. Because then I had like uh, a weekly thing to look forward to. Yeah. Uh, because we were pretty regular in the beginning. After the show started, it, you know, that's when it became more problematic, especially with Q and his schedule. Yeah. Um, but, oh, fuck, what was I saying now? No, I missed Talking it. about the idea of uh, it affecting your depression. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so so it definitely helped in that respect that I had a weekly thing to look forward to. But there were other things in life yeah. that were, you know, keeping that depression going. Right, right, Self-inflicted. Right. I mean, looking back, it's my own <laughs> fucking fault, idiot. But you, know. but you did have a lot of people, too, that were kind of like saying, like, I love what you're doing. Which is right. going to be a big difference. Yeah, uh, you know, you start doing cons and people want to take pictures with you. And it, it's odd at first, but then it just becomes like normal. Like it yeah. didn't make me feel like I was anybody special or like, yeah. like when people would approach me and they'd be like, you're awesome. Yeah. I don't know how to respond to that. Right. And I was like, thanks. You know, like it's yeah. just a weird thing to say to somebody. But like uh, I told Q one time, he made a remark where like I made I made a joke, and he was just like, "After you've destroyed your brain with drugs, how the fuck are you still so fast?" <laughs> and to me, that's a compliment. Yeah, you know? yeah, right. Like that's what I like. Or when on Comic Book Man, if people were like, "Who writes those lines for you?" And yeah, I'm able to say like nobody. I just come up with them in the moment. Right. And you can see the look on their face, like seriously, who writes them for you? Like to me, that's a compliment. Yeah, you know. No, that's awesome. So, so tell him Steve Dave continues through uh, Comic Book Men, and you guys do weirder stuff, and you bring in Get Him eventually. I mean, you do the bigger episodes like the Bicentennial Battle mm -hmm. and uh, the Pod Olympics and all that stuff. Um, and uh, it kind of grows as Comic Book Men grows. Yeah, it definitely gets bigger, and I think that might be Walt encouraged by seeing the bigger pieces that we do in Comic Book Men. And right. thinking like, well, we can use the Blue Juice crew for like Elephants in the Room in the or, room, yeah, uh, you know, a couple other things since they're here anyway. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think that was the first time Walt realized like we can do like big things with video. Yeah. Because like we, there was a lot of shit we didn't record in the, like do video for in the beginning. I don't know why. I know. That's I was, I was, I actually, you know, I don't know if we've really talked about this, but like I shot Gramercy and that's kind of how mm -hmm. I started my relationship with you guys. And the reason was I was a fan and I knew you guys never did live shows really. And there was like that small stint in the beginning where you did a couple across the country and then you brought them back here and you kind of made fun of different ones and mm -hmm. played back the audio. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and, um, but I knew that you didn't do a lot of live shows. So that summer, two of them came up. You guys did one at the Bell House in like right. May or June. And then you did Gramercy in like July or August. And I was reaching out and being like, I went to the first one and I was like, no one's filming this? What the fuck's going on here? I'm like, I'm like, how is this possible that this podcast is? I was getting singing fun? being lost to the ages. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, how is it possible that no one is is filming this? And I had I had actually reached out to Walt and said, like, hey, I'd love to come film this, Bell House. And he was like, um, oh, that's very kind of you. But he, you know, he didn't know me. He doesn't have any right. reason to believe that I can do it or whatever. 
And then when I reached out for Gramercy, you know, I reached out to Walt and whatever your email address was at the time that was out there. And I got through to Quinn's manager, Dexter. Oh, okay. And that's, and so he set it up and, uh, like we didn't even get the confirmation that we were going to go film until two days beforehand. And I had lost a lot of my equipment in a fire, a house fire. <laughs> yeah. So I went to Best Buy and I bought $2,000 worth of camera equipment with the intention of returning it right, right afterwards. Um, and I didn't even have any other crew that I worked with at the time. So I got my buddy, Brad, who does my podcast with me and Gina, my girlfriend. And I kind of gave them like a quick one night, like, here's what we're going to do. I was like, you know what? Talk to me uh, during it on Facebook Messenger and send me pictures of what you're getting, and we'll try to, you know, get the cameras to be somewhat in sync in terms of like, I have a close up, you get a wide, whatever it is. But that was like the reason I wanted to do it was because, yeah, you guys didn't have anything filmed. There was like so many things that I listened to, even like Bicentennial Battle or the uh, One True Three Olympic, the uh, the tournament One True Three tournament. And I was like, man, like there's like seven people or eight people or 10 people involved. I would love to see this. Yeah. And it just wasn't anything. I think um, <clears throat> speaking like on a personal level, I'm more of a like, <clears throat> I'm more of like a, a moment person, right? Like, yeah. So I'm about the show. I don't think about recording it. I don't think yeah. about what we're going to do afterwards. It would be much smarter <laughs> um, if I were like that. But to me, it's like, Tell them Steve Dave has always been very pure to me. Like I never have done it for the money. Mm-hmm. Uh, even Patreon stuff, like all that stuff, I would do if you know I had a different job. Right. And he, well, we were like, hey, let's just do this, like because it's so fucking fun to do. Right. But thanks to the patrons, I can do it for a job. Like, yeah. I, I don't want those people to ever think for a second that I don't fully appreciate that yeah you know? yeah yeah because it gives me the opportunity to not have to work a fucking regular job which would make me want to fucking go back to hanging myself and on top of it do something that i know a lot of people like yeah you know hell yeah they wouldn't pay for it if they didn't like it oh uh, yeah absolutely um so comic book men is 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 and so your life is changing you're traveling to cons you're meeting people to you know that are paying to meet you and stuff like that and eventually you know comic book men ends and that's kind of a transition point for Tell Him Steve Dave, where you decide to start the Patreon. Yeah, we found out in, I believe it was, I think it was May, because mm-hmm. usually comic book men, like after that first year, we would always shoot in the summer. Mm-hmm. And they would tell us sometime between March, March or April usually, uh, which sucked because you're waiting the whole year to find so, out so, if you're doing and, a show. And every year, it's just like, <clears throat> we don't know if we're going to get the next season yet. Every year. Yeah. Yep. Right. So that's why seventh season... Even Walt was confident we were coming back because yeah. there was no reason for us not to. Yeah. But as the as the time ticked on, and I remember I was talking to Brian Nichol, the showrunner, he uh, was like, I don't know, they're just, they're not getting back to me. And uh, Kevin, I remember that year, went to the upfronts, like they invited him to the upfronts. Uh, and that we thought was like, well, this seals it, of course. Right, right, right. Why would they invite him otherwise? right. Well, <laughs> I guess it was just so he could be there because we didn't get the show back. Yeah. Um, and that would have been in, uh, so we found out in May, and then by July we were going with Patreon. Yeah, so right away was it kind of like... Much to Walt's chagrin. I was like, <laughs> I rushed it. <laughs> I fast-tracked that shit. <laughs> I, I remember because Walt was like, hey, listen, we're going to do Patreon. He told me about it, and he's like, he's like, I want to film stuff, and I want to I do everything wicked early so that we have a lot of stuff banked because that's, you know... 
he wanted to be on top of that. But yeah, so it was like right away. I mean, he told me that you guys were already thinking about a Patreon at that mm-hmm. point in time. Um, yeah. So right away, it was kind of like a no-brainer because the show had grown so much at that point in time. You had such passionate fans. People are, every time you put out like a bonus pod or whatever, people are like all over it immediately. So it just made sense as like a, a you know, a business model, essentially, yeah. you know? Uh, yeah, that first cycle was not great. Like the stuff that we offered, it's it was like, because we didn't know what we were doing right. at that point. But then I think as the cycles have gone on, like it just keeps getting better. The the productions keep getting bigger and more refined. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> the uh, merchandise keeps getting quirkier and cooler. Yeah. You know, like it, yeah. there's, um, we, I guess, have not missed a deadline ever. Never. Nope, never. Yeah, so that's unusual for us. <laughs> yeah. That's very unusual. I mean, given our history, you know what? I think it's like, it's almost like there was like three or four things early on, but then since then, I don't even think there has been anything probably in like five or six years that you guys have missed, you know? Yeah. It's been a long time. Yeah. Um, you know, claymation aside, claymation was pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> claymation was rough, but yeah. So, that, so, Patreon starts and are you just like right away you're just like yeah let's just do it let's just do like basically more versions of the show like you know all new Sunday Jeff show yeah. puck nuts different stuff that mm-hmm. you guys had already kind of pulled from yeah uh, that was the idea first well like we'll just do different podcasts but then it's like well how many podcasts are people going to listen to so we should do video yeah you know we should right. do videos and shit and I think uh, Frank Five came up with the idea for Rewind yeah he did you know? yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, some of the podcasts I came up with the idea for, Walt came up with the other ones. Walt, Walt is very, uh, he, I think he's a better producer. When he's like, I shouldn't be, I'm not an entertainer. He's wrong about that, but yeah. he's a good producer. Like, he, he brings stuff together pretty well. Yeah, yeah. He, he knows how to put, he knows how to, like, structure a show. He knows what yeah. it should be. Um, yeah, so, so the Patreon was pretty successful, like, immediately. Like yeah. like day one, way right? more successful than again than I thought. That's it would that's be. one of the things I wanted to ask you. What did you think? Were you kind of like, oh, let's just see if this works? Let's see if it works, and maybe expecting like maybe a couple hundred people would sign up. Wow! Like if we were lucky, because it was a Fourth of July weekend, and we were like, we were told, yeah, like don't expect too many people. But then we did like a pre-sign up thing at the end of June, mm-hmm. and by July it was like a couple thousand people. Yeah. So I was like, holy shit! Yes, like that's that's crazy. And and encouraging. Yeah. You said early on, you're like, you know, I didn't think we would be like, you know, a a gigantic podcast, but you guys absolutely became a gigantic podcast. Like, crazy. And and sometimes I'm just like, well, where else can we go? Like, because obviously, like, Patreon won't last forever either. So I've talked to Walt in the past. I was like, we should look into, like, producing, like, real TV shows like that we want to do. You know, because there will always be room for that kind of shit. You know, people that want to see something that isn't a network show. Totally. That, you know. And I think it's also like the more you guys do, you know, like the Tell Him Steve Dave initial podcast and then Comic Book Men, the history of, you know, uh, Carney and War of the Undead and Cryptozoic Man and everything. I think more people get invested from, from different directions and yeah. say, let me give this a chance. Let me give this a chance. Um, and I think that... Uh, yeah, for for tell him Steve Dave stuff, I do think the sky's the limit because that's one of the things that's kind of crazy about it is that you've established yourself as personalities that people are behind. So whatever you want to do, they're like, I'm down for that, which is which is crazy, which yeah. is really really unique. You know, that's not typical. Yeah, because like I mean, we have like okay, there are a couple of like 
top tier hardcore. You're talking mm-hmm. about your TESD groupies, your SMOD yeah. fans. Yeah, your, right, your, right, right. You know, um, but even below that, there's such a huge segment that is still hardcore, like names that I've seen for years. Yes, right. Like people that like. I'd be stunned if they dropped off. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And didn't listen, oh, yeah. You know. No, it's 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 also like because tell him Steve Dave is so authentic and it started from a place that was like really about who you guys are, as opposed to like oh I'm gonna write something here's a movie or here's a comic book. The show starts with like real stories about your life and people mm. know who your parents are and they know about all the people around you. They're invested in you as a person now. You know what I mean? Yeah. They want to see the trajectory of your life. Well, you mentioned uh, much earlier that I used to listen to Stern, and early on, before he was, you know, PC guy, mm-hmm. uh, he talked about his life a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and it got to a point where it's like you felt like you knew him exactly. You know, all yeah. that unbridled honesty, uh, regardless of how shameful or embarrassing it might be, uh, that was that was a model. In the commercials, also, like when he used to do his spots, yeah. it was like the spots that would last fifteen minutes, and you, it became a part of the show. And that's when we started doing our spots. That was the model for it. I'm like, I never want it to feel like we're just selling something to somebody. Right, right. It should be fun too. Otherwise, like it's, yeah. gonna, I hate straight reads. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. But yeah, I, th- I think people are just invested into seeing. Like, it's it's part of it is like, what are they going to do next? And part of it is like. What's going on with these guys and how are things going? You yeah. know what I mean? I do think that's a big part of it. Um, but yeah, and it's grown to such a crazy place. I, I just, I, it always just like, basically when Walt talks to me about like, oh, the next cycle, what do you want to do? Like, do you think we could do this? Because we kick it around ideas a lot for the next projects and everything. And it's always just crazy. It's like, you guys can just do anything you want. Mm-hmm. You're like 70s game show that a lot of people don't even know about. And everyone just loves it. I was just thinking that we we watched a match game yesterday. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I was thinking, I'm like, we should get a couple more game shows going because yeah. they're so fun to do. They're so fucking hilarious. And the response is so positive. Yeah. Um, but it's just, it's incredible. It's It's crazy because you guys are just successful for being yourselves. And that's what I think is like just such a such a, a a crazy special thing tell him steve davis turned into something that is insanely special and insanely unique yeah it does feel unique i remember kevin saying very early on he's like and this is before any tell him steve davis stuff or any of that he was like the goal is just to get paid to be yourself exactly that's you know? perfect <laughs> wow that's that's exactly what i'm saying man that's crazy yeah well, I appreciate you sitting down with me, man. Hey, it's been fun. That was really, Thank really you. fun. That was really, really fun. Yeah, and I appreciate, you know, being part of the ride and being part of it. Uh, you know, you guys did not have to trust me on any of these projects. Uh, I'm glad we ago. did. I'm glad we did, though. You're, you're a solid uh, solid uh, part of the whole the whole fucking effort, man. I appreciate that, man. And it's funny because, like, I consider you a friend now, yeah. you know? I think about the idea. I was like, I thought about this coming up here when I knew I was going to interview. I was like, if I had, like, a... A terrible thing happened in my life. I'm like, I would call Brian and ask him <laughs> what, what I should do. I'm not even kidding. I would. I would. And I think you'd be like, you know what? Let me think about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm known for dispensing great advice, but living a fucked up shit life myself. You know, I can't follow it. I just can dispense it. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Well, thank you for doing this. Uh, to many more years of uh, these projects together. That's what I hope is coming up for us. Mm-hmm, I'll drink to that. Yeah, man. Thanks a lot. That was super interesting. Oh, yeah. He was great, right? Man, Buzz Johnson had me rolling. <laughs> the idea of him being outside your house and you hear the bees. Yes. Uh, they, so they, 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 tell him Steve Dave has a continual thing of doing, uh, re, you know, insert 
name or right. word or whatever here before then yeah. the last name well yeah. it's also yeah. flanagan right they do it before flanagan whatever um yeah it was great it you was know, awesome. I'll, I'll say this several weeks ago mm-hmm. possibly like months ago i was like yeah i don't think brian johnson would want to be my friend yes and now i'm like i want to be friends with brian johnson yeah i think he would be your friend yeah yeah, hey, you know, you're a little, uh, you're a little like mouse of a man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fun. You just gotta, you know, you'll fit the role. Right. Obviously, right. he might, he might poke some fun. Oh, he definitely he will would poke, poke some, some fun. fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, he's he's so clever and so funny. Yeah, he's great. He's a great guy. It's great. It's a. I love this series. I think we might have news next week about the future of this series. Oh, and maybe where it's gonna go. I gotta pass that by some uh, some people. To make sure we can talk about that. But we'll see. I think there might be news soon. Okay. But before we go, uh, you know, <clears throat> throughout this whole series, we've been kind of telling a story at the end of the podcast. Yes. By the way, last week on the Mike Zapsick episode, yep. we told the story about me and the cheeseburger thing. Mm-hmm. A lot of people seem to be on your side. As they should that be. I shouldn't have called the Wendy's woman a fucking asshole. You, I mean, I conditionally called her that. Right. So. But they all kind of say it with the caveat of like, I can't take Brad's side after he threatened to kill that girl's cat. It, didn't, it wasn't a threat. <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I do want to talk about that some more next week. Yes. Uh, not that specific. I yeah. mean, yeah, maybe that specific cat killing. Uh, <laughs> fictional cat killing. Fictional cat killing. Fictional yeah. cat fictionally killed. No, yeah. real cat. Real fictionally cat, killed. fictional killed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll talk more about that in the future. And that's kind of why I brought it up. So. Yes, 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 yes. That's, that's a tease for next week. Yes, yes. Keep listening to us, folks. Mm-hmm. But, uh... The story we wanted to tell this week is really interesting. It kind of it's 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 part of the Vuesque universe because it has to do with. It's funny because it has to do with Quinn Brian Quinn right has to do with uh, Brian O'Halloran Dante. It's, it's a lot of stuff. So here's what happened. It's kind of a it's a weird thing. So I'm not sure exactly when I met Brian O'Halloran. He plays Dante in Clerks, the original Clerks, and he does a ton of cons. He does a ton of like you know he's in Clerks too, obviously. He's, you know, he does the cameos in the other movies. Mall rats and, and what have you. Yep. Yeah, everything. Dogma. You know, you know in like Dogma, he plays like... The newscaster, the right? Newscaster. That's yeah. The newscaster. His last name is Hicks. It's yeah. supposed to be like the cousin of, yep. of uh, Dante Hicks. But anyway, I think I might have met him... Man, when was it? Maybe it was during Vulgarthon 2018. That sounds right. In I, the store. I, yeah. When, uh, when uh, you know, they did Vulgarthon that year. Maybe uh, Brian O'Halloran was around. I think he probably was. So I met him around then and then maybe I met him one more time at like a con or something and it was just like, oh, hey, we know each other. Hey, Brian. Hey, Chuck, whatever. Not that he remembered my name. I don't know. Right. I don't remember at that time. But I went down. Quinn hired me. Brian Quinn from Practical Jokers hired me and Gina to go film the Rubsom and Horman launch party that in being, Staten Island. Yeah, that being Quinn's brewery. Yes. It's a difficult word to pronounce. Yes. Uh, but and that's yeah. a long time ago. And there was a lot of like guest uh bartenders including all of the impractical jokers sal joe and murray um who else was there obviously brian johnson um joey fatone was there he was wicked nice casey jost our buddy we know him yep joe impergio we know him jay miller is a good guy try to think anyone else i'm sure there was another one or two right um maybe james mccarthy but uh so one of the people was brian o'halloran and at this point in time, this is probably the third time I'm meeting him. And we're kind of joking around. We were at a table. I think it was me, Getum, Brian, and uh, maybe Mary Beth, Gina, and Brian O'Halloran. We were just kind of hanging out afterwards because they had this like party after the actual launch party right. for like the, the people there and the friends and family, whatever. Hung out for a little bit. Um, 
And I was talking to Brian and he's like, oh yeah. He's like, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to be at Rhode Island Comic Con this year. I don't, I don't know why it came up. I probably brought something up right. about cons. We, we, we had seen him maybe at, I the, asked at him. the previous year's Comic Con. Yeah. Maybe yeah. I asked him and he said, yeah, I'm going to be there this year. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Oh, you know what happened? I know what happened. Rhode Island Comic Con announced that day that Brian O'Halloran was going to be there. Well, that'll do it. Yes. On Facebook. And so yeah. I was with him and I was like, oh man, I'm like, you're going to be at Rhode Island Comic Con. He said, yes. And I said, me and uh, Brad... We moderate at Rhode Island Comic Con for different people. I was like, I'd love to moderate for you. He's like, make it happen. He's like, he's like, tell him, tell him I want you to moderate for me. Let's do it. So I was like, awesome. So I talked to Rhode Island Comic Con. I was like, hey, when when this rolls around, we want to moderate for Brian O'Halloran. Right. So they said, okay. And he was like, oh, that's great. This is really going to be really fun. Now, leading up to Rhode Island Comic Con, our, the people we talked to that worked there, they were like, yeah, like, you know, we'd love to come up with alternative ideas. So it's not just... um a panel every single time. Like maybe you can come up with like a different thing. Like Billy Zane, when you moderated for him, he suggested to you that he teach an acting class. Yes. Like something like, you know, that's just like fun and outside the box a little bit, a little bit more interesting. Right. So so this is gonna be hard to explain, but that's okay. Brad and I do live comedy shows. Yes, we do. We do a lot of different types of comedy at these shows. Right. Including live pranks that are kind of closer to something like Impractical Jokers. Right. But we also do this bit where we'll do like Chuck and Brad present Jurassic Park. Right. Right. And what we do is Brad is like a terrible artist. I can't draw well Dog at all. shit. Yep. Makes people sick to their stomachs. Nauseous. Yeah. Yes. All over the place. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> and he brings his, he brings his drawings to like hospice to inspire people to just let go. It's not yeah. worth it. Yes. <laughs> so he, they're terrible. They, they, they call me the art world Kevorkian. <laughs> Art world, you have business cards with that yes. name on them. Uh, <laughs> Sadly, I I drew the business cards myself, and I can't look at them. Art world Kevorkian is hilarious. Thank you. Um. So anyway, uh, <laughs> so they're terrible. So what we do is this: we sit down with a movie. Brad watches like every scene from, example, Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park is one of my favorites because I love the way you do dinosaurs. That head-on <laughs> shot of the T-Rex chasing the, the, so, the Jeep. <laughs> so Brad will draw every scene from the movie. He'll he'll like look at it and be like, oh, here's here's what I think this looks like. And he draws like a raptor with Lex and Tim in the kitchen. And they're so bad, it's fucking hilarious. But on top of that, I take those drawings and then I write my own new narration of the movie right. based on what they look like to me. So what we do is we take that, we go to a comedy club, we'll book a show, Chuck and Brad present Jurassic Park, we'll have some stand-up comics open it, and uh, we'll headline, and we'll have a big screen, and we'll play Brad's uh, drawings, you know, as like a, essentially a long slideshow for the right. movie, and Brad has to read my narration that I wrote for him. It's very rarely flattering. <laughs> and it's, I write it, you know, this is all part of the bit, we say this on stage, I write it in his voice from his point of view. So he says everything as if he's talking about his own drawings yep. and of talking about his, himself and his life. It's fucking hilarious. I know it's a little bit hard to uh, explain, but dude, being in the room for it, it brings the house down. It does. It really brings the it house does. down. It's so fun. Oh, it's so funny. Anyway, we've done this for a long time. We've done it with How the Grinch Stole Christmas at our yep. Christmas show. We did Jurassic Park. We did Avengers. We did Avengers. Back to the Future. Back to the Future. Spider-Man. Yep. And I was like, well, what if we did this bit where Brad draws all the scenes and I draw a narration and I make a narration from it uh, for clerks, but Brian O'Halloran is on stage playing Dante with us in front of an audience. Right. Right. 
And Brad's like, I don't know. <laughs> I think I honestly think, oh yeah, I know what happened. Yeah, as do I. We were doing so. Rhode Island Comic Con happens to fall like a couple days after Halloween every year. Right. It's in Providence, Rhode Island, and uh, we were doing a Halloween show. Yes. So the Halloween show we were doing at the Comedy Connection in East Providence, Rhode Island. That's where we. That's, that's our home base for shows. Um, and we did uh, that Halloween. That was a very very tough one. Our our live shows, our live comedy shows, they're really really different every time. And we come up, we try to come up with like outside the box ideas, different things. And with that one, was that the hol- with the one we did the the stage play? Yes. So we closed that show. We did three segments, including a segment early on where we had to act on stage and interact with a video. So we had to like rehearse that and time it and stuff like that. A lot of work. A lot of work. And then the final thing of the night was that we were like, we're going to do Halloween, the original Halloween movie starring Michael Myers. We're going to do it as a stage play. And we're going to get one of our comedian friends, Ray Harrington. Uh, we're going to pull him on stage without ever telling him ahead of time. Right. Hand him a script and do the movie Halloween as a, as a stage play with props and character changes. And it was awesome. It went really, really well. But that was like maybe the hardest show we ever did. What do you think? Yep. It was oh, probably the 100%, most one hundred percent. Yeah, one of the most work we ever put into a show. But it was really, it was really good. We got a lot of good bits out of it. It was yeah. very funny. However, we only had like a very small window to write the clerk show. We had one week, one week to write the clerk show to perform at Rhode Island Comic Con. Yeah. Uh, so what happened was, you know, it's a lot of drawing for Brad, obviously. And uh, I just listened to the episode because we do an episode of the podcast where we talk about it and tell right. the whole story. And uh, I remember you went to the library and just drew for hours. I just one drew, day. yeah, like eight hours straight <laughs> at the, the Warren Public Library. Yes. And I'm like laughing at my own drawings and people are shushing me. And, and it's hard to like people come over and they're like looking at the stuff on the table and I have my drawings of like, you know, and they, they look terrible. Yeah. Of, like the hockey scene on the roof and people are like... <laughs> Is that a raptor trying to eat a small I child? Al- I also love that, like, you're just feverishly drawing, drawing after drawing. Right. <laughs> it looks so crazy. Oh, absolutely. So Brad's doing it, and we're trying to get these things done, and man, it was so hard, but here's what made it harder. We reach out to Rhode Island Comic Con. Rhode Island Comic Con, who are super nice people, they reach out to Brian O'Halloran's people, right? Yeah. And they say, Rhode Island's people say, um, we're not sure if he'll do this, right? Yep. Uh, he has to see the whole script first. Yep. But the problem was we were drawing it and writing the script as we were going. Yeah. Right. So we're trying to send them pieces and say, here's what it's like. And of, and of course, this makes total sense. I totally right. understand. They don't know if we're going to be making fun of things. Right. We don't know if, you know, if this is a quality performance. What is this going to be? I get it. But we were like mad dash, mad dash, mad dash. And we kept, I think we sent them like versions of the script and we just didn't hear back. Yep. And so it got so close to the show that we decided to write a second version of the show without Brian O'Halloran in it in case he wasn't interested in doing it. Yes. So here's what happened. So we're getting ready for the show. And by the way, we had panels to do. Yes. Who else were we moderating for that year? Uh, That was, you did Christina Ricci. Christina Ricci. And I I did the the Tick uh, one. And we we did uh, Brian Baumgartner and Leslie David Baker from The Office. Yes, Stanley and Kevin. Yes. And so we're researching those and we're getting ready. We're getting our questions ready for those. And... Um, we're like kind of running ourselves ragged and trying to write this second version of the clerk's live show right. just in case he doesn't want to do it. And so <laughs> it gets to be like the day of the show. We're at Rhode Island Comic Con. Yeah. I think, was it the day we we're going to perform it? Yeah, scheduled uh, scheduled with him at like 6.30 and we got there at like 10 a.m. Yes, and we still didn't know if nope. he would do it or not. Nope. 
So we're talking to our contact at Rhode Island Comic Con, and he goes, he's like, if you want, why don't you go and just show him the script and ask him? So I'm like, okay. So I go upstairs. I find Brian O'Halloran's table. I'm like, hey, man. He's like, oh, hey, what's up? He's like, you're moderating the thing tonight. I'm like, yeah, we want to do that special, like a special clerk's show thing. He goes, oh, yeah. He's like, what's the deal with that? And I explained it to him. I go, you know, we've kind of been seeing if you're okay with the script. I have the script right here if you want to look through it. And he takes it and he goes, you know what? Let's do it. And he didn't even look at it. Right. And I was like, that's awesome. Thank yep. you for trusting us. We go to the show, 6.30, we go on stage, we go, I'm talking to him behind, backstage in the very same spot where, where <laughs> Meatloaf had filleted us the year before. Yep. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Brad was weeping because of the memories. Yep. It <laughs> so, stirs up. Yes. It's a dredge. It really was in the same like chairs, yes. in the same space. And I'm like, so the deal is, uh, we think you should just play it like you're kind of being forced into this. That's good. What's going to be funny is that you don't really want to do this, but you agreed to it. So what the hell? You're part of it. Yep. And that makes us the idiots and you the person that's kind of like, I don't want to say exactly the straight man because you can still be funny. Right. But we're the ones that if there's going to be a joke, it's going to be on us. Yes. And so he was like, cool. We called him out. And you know what? Let's play a little audio clip right here. of it. All right. We'll play a little audio clip of us at Rhode Island Comic Con 2000. 19. 19. Uh, this is right before we did our live clerk show uh, with Brian, o Brian O'Halloran. Here's him coming out. <laughs> but uh, we have done this a bunch of times before. We've done this with Jurassic Park, Avengers, Spider-Man, Back to the Future. Tonight we're doing it with clerks. And for the very first time for one of our shows, we are actually having the star of the movie on stage with us, doing this with us. And uh, we can't thank him enough. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Brian O'Halloran. <laughs> I am uh, I'm truly appreciative that you're down to uh, take part in this with us. <laughs> wow, people showed up. <laughs> Is there any other way we can milk a fucking 25-year-old goddamn story? <laughs> I think now we're now it's practically fucking shadow puppetry here. <laughs> this Unbelievable. Give yourselves a round of applause. That you're going to be wasting a good hour of your life <laughs> when y'all could be at the bar or fucking skinny dipping in the hotel pool or what have you. And uh, thank you two for, um, I don't know, bending over to take this in the ass the way you're going <laughs> to. You're welcome. So just so you know. So they sent me the, the rewrite script of this shadow puppet play here. <laughs> it's longer than the original fucking script. <laughs> And I said that to him, I'm like, how long do we have? It's like, it's an hour. I'm like, like three pages is an hour here, man. So you're going to see like four scenes. This is going to be how Kevin Smith answers one question at a Q&A. And then it's thank you and good night. So good luck. We do thank you guys. Uh, this is going to be a bizarre show, but I think you guys are going to have a lot of fun. We always have fun doing this. And again, can't thank you enough for being here. Oh, not at all, but you could provide a fucking chair. What the <laughs> fuck is this? You want me to stand another whole fucking hour? I've been standing all day upstairs. Come on now. Okay, so so he's out on stage, and we start going into the thing, into the, into the uh, script with the slides. And man, he was, uh, he was awesome. Yeah. He just rolled right with it. So, like proficient in his delivery yes yeah. he and he added stuff too yep. and he was kind of like playing with it and going with it and i saw him laugh a bunch of times at the drawings Felt and stuff like great. that 
And uh, it went super, super well. Tons of laughs in the audience. The audience was totally on board. And uh, it was just a great time. It worked out really, really well. Yeah. Even though we had to kind of kill ourselves all week. and We really did. <laughs> yeah. I think we do have a clip of... Let's see. I think we do have a clip of, of us closing the show. You want to? We'll just put it in right here. So here's a clip of us closing that clerk show. We would play the whole audio if it made sense, but it's not going to make sense without the drawings, the, the drawings yeah. to see to see to hear the jokes. So here's the end of the show with Brian. Well, thank you again for doing that, man. Give it up for Brian O'Halloran being a good sport. Oh, boy, good job, Brad. Give it up for Chuck and Brad. Thank you for making this a different spin on a film that I, you know, have been talking about for 26, 20 some odd years. And so, uh, and for you, Fox, to waste your whole hour to do this. So. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah. And that was it. And uh, we so got fun. off stage. And I remember I told him, I'm like, hey, listen, I'm like, we wrote this in a week. We usually take a little bit more time to polish it. And he's like, no, man. He's like, that was super funny. You don't want to overwrite. Um, and he seemed really, really happy with it. And I hope to do that live Clerks Chuck and Brad show again with Brian O'Halloran right. at a very special castle coming to New Jersey soon. And we're going to see if we can make that happen. Who knows? I hope that it will. Um, but uh, for everybody who's been checking in to Tesdy Town History, thank you for checking it out. You know, you can follow us, the Chuck and Brad podcast on Facebook, at Discount Chuck on Twitter and Instagram. That's me. At Brad Roar on Twitter and Instagram. That's Brad, B-R-A-D-R-O-H-R-E-R. Wow, nice work. Yeah, and you can just follow the Chuck and Brad podcast on any podcast platform. That's I right. went through the top 25 and we're on all of them. Nice. So I think that's all of them. Good work. Stitcher. Way to SEO us. Uh, Spotify, iTunes. Say more. Uh, iHeartRadio. Oh, that's a good one. iHeart Podcasts. That's, oh, I, I don't think that one, one I don't exists. Know that exists no, one. I don't know. But yeah, please follow us. Leave us a review on iTunes if you like this series. There's at least one more episode coming in the kind of the traditional way we've been doing it because we got to do part two with Ming Chen. Yeah. Maybe I'll do that this week. Who knows? Um, <clears throat> and then after that, like I said, hopefully there's an announcement soon about the future of Tesdy Town history and maybe it's going to uh, uh, go somewhere else or expand or something. Could Who knows? A lot of, lot of possibilities. Yes. But thanks for checking us out. Hope you enjoy the show. And uh, if you're going to Red Bank this weekend, if you're going to movies, if you're going to Jay and Silent Bob Get Old on Friday, September 18th, I'll be there, so say hey. Folks out there, if you have questions, comments, concerns, or otherwise, send us an email, chuckandbradpodcast at gmail.com, or find the email link through chuckandbradpodcast.com. Wow, chuckandbradpodcast.com. I started thinking about how people are voting in uh, the what horror movie series should Chuck and Brad watch this year. Yeah. Voting closes very soon, so yeah, get yeah. those votes in. Yeah, if you don't know uh, about it, we just we watch a movie series every year. Yep. We regurgitate the entire story of the entire thing to someone who has never seen the series. It rarely makes sense. We've done Friday the 13th, Halloween, Child's Play. And this year, it looks like the front runner is Hellraiser. We'll see. So we'll see. Uh, by the way, you said Chuck and Brad podcast. Yes. If we become like bodybuilders. What do you mean if we become? <laughs> yeah. If we continue to be. We did build our bodies, but we, we built out of melted cheese. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just lumps of shit. Yeah. <laughs> I got a dick on mine. <laughs> it's the, the balls are let so me tell you, round. So, so spherical. Yeah. Um, Thank you all so much for listening. We uh, we really and truly appreciate you. That's all I've got. That's all I got. Deuces.